Welcome to the Making Laps Podcast. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Making Laps Podcast. I am your host, Brian Gleason. Alongside me, as usual, is my co-host and brother, Jesse Gleason. Hello, everyone. And with us on the line, somehow still alive, is Florida Senator Phil Jakes. Yeah, we're back to this, by the way. Where are you? And I'm so sorry. Can I sleep? I uh, it feels good to be back. I don't hate it. You would if you watched it. Sounds like she's sitting on the toilet. That's where she is. Sounds like she's talking to somebody while reading her phone and not paying attention to what they're saying. He has to wait it's, for a, it's a piano flute. What the hell do they call that thing? I have no idea. The piano. You got a keyboard, but you're blowing into it. What the hell do they call that Some... damn thing? I don't even remember. Uh, pan flute? I don't know. I have no idea either. I've, I I used to know. Flute. Like a couple days ago, I saw one and saw the name. A Bohemian douche flute. I guess it's a good thing not to remember because I That's don't care. That's what it is. Rating. Um... 5.2. Not bad. It, it was creative. Hmm. Truth. There uh, was an upright was, bass. On e. There was an upright bass that you never heard because it's an upright bass. does nothing. <laughs> I could hear the clacking of the strings, and that was it. Yes, that was the guitar. That could have been it. And plus, that thing was way too small. It was like a mariachi, like three-quarter size. Anyway, so those of you who are just joining us because... Uh, probably because we're talking about Stafford for the first time this year. Welcome! Uh, if this sounds a little bit unrefined or kind of difficult, it's because we do not edit these episodes. I Shut up, I'd don't that... apologize to No, them. no, I'm not apologizing. I'm just giving a disclaimer for people who <laughs> no, might just okay. be showing up. Yeah, we do this thing completely off the cuff. All com- We might write notes, but like we don't edit this show. So if you listen to some more produced... There will be humor. It will be dark. Probably, yes, because that's all we have. So we usually there start. There may even be racism. Uh, mild, uh, but anyway, we sexism usually sexism and homophobia and cisphobia. <laughs> what is that a and thing? Rossophobia. Oh, yeah. A little bit of that too. So we usually start our episodes off with personal updates since we're all racers, and uh, yeah, I think I've got at least a couple updates. But Phil was actually well participating in racing, other than filming it, like I was doing. So I might as well just turn it over to him. Well, Friday, I actually got to get back in a race car, which was uh, nice. So we took the car down to Citrus County Speedway and uh, did a couple practice runs based on what the doctor wanted me to do uh, as far as recording my uh, blood pressure and my heart rate and send it back to her. And turned out the car was actually pretty damn bad fast. So um, we went out there on 200 lap hockey pucks that punched a 72 
uh, really, really old junk tires. And it was a little tight in the first run. So I tried something that I did at Auburndale when I raced back in March. And I actually, even though it was tight, I added front brake. Hmm. And I took, took a little air out all the way around the, on the tires to see if I can get a little more grip out of the tires. Um, and went out there, picked up two tenths, was running 1440s, which isn't lighting the world on fire there, but the track's been really slow. And compared to uh, uh, the other car that was on the track, which is a multiple-time super late model winner and champion and just overall bad motherfucker behind the wheel, uh, Rex Strubel. Um, Strudel. I was quite a bit faster, which was nice to see. Um, and compared to the, the times they were running in the feature last night, uh, last week, rather, they had twin 25s a week ago at Citrus and, uh, feature times, they were running 14 sixes, sevens, uh, and in qualifying, they ran 14 fours. So, uh, on old tires, I was fa as fast as they were on stickers. So that was super encouraging. We've made a lot of progress on the car, but most importantly, I felt fantastic. That's it was just nice to get back in the race car after quite frankly for a little while wondering if I ever would get the chance to again. Um hmm. so did did that Friday, Saturday, uh went down to Auburndale Speedway to spot for Daniel Webster and the SRL Sportsman Twin Fifties. Um got the win in race uh feature one. Uh, but it did not come without a lot of effort. The car had a bad right rear tire and not allowed to change tires in the features mm. unless you get a flat. So he started qualified P2, tied actually in fast time. Uh, Kevin Macy got the pole because uh, he had the second fastest lap in that round in qualifying. So qualified P2. Uh, Macy rolled a six and they do plus three. So it was a max invert of nine. So we started eighth outside row and just started dropping back real fast. Car was wicked loose. Couldn't drive it. Just kind of hanging on. Got a caution around lap 20, 21, something like that. Came in, uh, for adjustments and Daniel's dad threw a couple rounds of bar at it, and we just kind of crossed our fingers, and he came out, and that woke the car up. He carved through the field really, really quick. It was a lot of cautions that, that aided in that, uh, but he had the top side working, which anybody that knows Auburndale, if you can get the top side working there, you're going to pass a lot of cars because everybody's usually bottom feeding and stuck on the bottom there. So ended up getting a, getting up to the lead. Uh, past our teammate Tim Sozio on the top on a late restart, and had a ended up having a green white checker. Sozio ended up finishing third at the end. He got walled by the five of Steve Gill unintentionally. Just hard racing deal there. Uh, but Daniel was able to hold on and get the win for that one. Uh, but that was about as good as our night was gonna get because the power steering system decided to evacuate itself from underneath the hood uh, on lap 10 or so of the second feature, and it was just a battle to even finish that one. Ended up getting spun out by a rookie that just 
just drove in a little over his head. He'll learn. Um, ended up finishing P16 on that race, but it was a fun night. My first win as a spotter, which was kind of cool for me. Uh, I've now won as a spotter, as a driver, and as a driver coach. The only thing, uh, technically, is a crew chief, but I didn't set the car up that day. Being so a spotter is probably just, gets the heart going too. Probably that's probably dude. I was could monitor. I was stressed. Yes, that's a lot of like, stress. I can only imagine. <laughs> we were back in the field around. He got up to about fifth. I was like, huh, maybe we have a shot at this. And he got up to to second, and we got that restart. And I was like. Oh God, I'm misfiring. <laughs> so yeah, it was, it was a fun night. Definitely put the heart to the test and I didn't have any problems. Yeah. So it's like hit the record um, button. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then today uh, I did get another bit of good news. I spoke to the doctor after sending her all the information and she called me around four forty this afternoon and said, you are clear to race. Hmm. So my next race will be at freedom factory. A uh, nice little four-tenths mile, if anybody hasn't seen that place. Yeah. High bank. They just paved one and two, so it's going to be gripped up and pretty damn quick. Uh, my kind of track. Anybody that knows me knows I like fast tracks. So hoping hoping we go out there and we do what we started uh, last time out. We had easy top three speed last time there. So be nice to do an RFD Motorsports 1-2-3 finish. Yeah, that would be great. You know, you guys got those cars rolling really well, and uh, everybody in that team seems to kick my ass on iRacing. So, um. <laughs> it's, dude, it's been so much. You know how it is. It's been so much work, especially with my car. Like Daniel's car was a brand new car. We kind of knew that thing was going to be good off the bat, and he it was. He won at Freedom Factory with it. Uh, Tim's car is proven. That car's been around for a while. Daniel actually won a championship in that car before it even became Tin's car. So he knew everything about that car and what it wanted. And mine is just a 30-year-old uh, Dylan chassis that, I mean, it's been front-clipped like nine times. The rear clip looks like freaking a pretzel. It's a mess back there. But we got it working. It's it's rolling. It, it, it finally, it's getting down on the track where it needs to be, and it, got tons of drive off that sounds like my car except it yours handles <clears throat> anyway uh <laughs> we'll figure it out hopefully but that's pretty much what my updates are my updates are that i've been in the shop again we've got this stupid two-month layover and we only race six times a year where i race so um you know it's it's tough when you don't have a lot of help or money to go racing, and that's all I want to do is go racing. So I got to do it part time until the hands change. But uh, you know, we got it in the shop. I've got a lot of changes being made to it today. I was out there with it on scales, and I was doing some rudimentary scaling, ride height checking, um, weight. You know, moving lead around and stuff, and trying to get the thing. You know, to at least get to a point where I can have it ready for this Thursday because there's apparently an open practice at Waterford. And, yeah, I don't race at Waterford, but it would be a good idea to go and at least shake it down and see if some of these setup changes work because it's not that far off of Thompson for setup, but uh, I'll at least get a good read on what I'm trying to accomplish. So I'm going to try to get down there Thursday 
hopefully I can get done what I need to get done. And hopefully whatever changes I've made will make some kind of a difference because I genuinely don't know where to go from here. And I'm trying to learn. But when you're trying to learn on your own, you you come up with some kind of theory in your head and then you try it out and then it doesn't work even though it made sense in your head. So now you're scratching and you're thinking, well, okay, where the hell do I go from here? So I've spent two years doing that basically. And that's only like 11 races because I think we had a rain out. So it's like, how do you learn in such a short amount of time without a lot of track time? Well, I guess we go to practice and that's the only way I can do it. I really, really, and I'm putting this out there because I want to What's that term where you wish for something to happen and it happens? Is that projection or uh, the power, laws of attraction? Something like that. It's yeah, a, it's uh, like the the secret that self help book and whatnot. Oh, I didn't read that. Yeah, no, that's a, <laughs> it's really famous. But, I know, I've heard of it, but I've never. But yeah, that's called laws of attraction. Yeah, that's uh, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to put out in the uh, universe that I want to race at Stafford full time next year. And I figured I I would at least start planning now because it's going to take a while for me to get there if that's what I want to do. And hopefully I can get some partners put together and some help. And uh, my car, to be fair, is really no different than when I went to Stafford in 2020. I have all the parts to do it. And it is legal. I still have the sticker for inspection on the car. So, I mean, I've got a couple races there. We've. I just hope it's straighter. I do too. I mean, I've done so you much. Hard for it. I did so much measuring to this car, and when all the numbers come out equal on both sides, you got to kind of think that it's straight. But you know, like I said, this is why we're going to practice. It's because I want to make sure it's it's me making the mistakes, and not the car being wrong. I have a spare chassis in the backyard, but I really can't authenticate its straightness. I guess so. I can't really say that that car is any better than what I have. So I'm thinking, well, I guess we're just going to have to find out. So tune in to next week's show or watch my YouTube channel over at youtube.com slash Brent Gleason, and I'll document the whole thing on video, and we'll go put that online. I just put a new video out and basically just regurgitating exactly what I said. I did have a weird problem in the shop, though. I was under the car, and all I could smell was gas, and I'm like, what is going on? Because I'd found a loose line coming out of the fuel filter and i think i said that last week but this week i just smell fuel and i can see witness marks down the frame where something was wet and then dried like fuel or oil and so i look at it and i'm like i have no idea what's going on here and i look and i see wet like fuel all around the fuel filter i'm like what the hell's going on so i go to take the nut off the middle to drop the fuel bowl off the filter and it sprays fuel everywhere and i'm like what the hell is going on there shouldn't be any pressure in here so i quick tighten it back up so it stops leaking i have a cap on my fuel vent in my fuel cell but it's only rubber and it slips on so i just pulled that off nothing really happened so i'm wondering if the hot cold cycles in the garage because it was like 85 degrees out if that heated up the fuel tank enough to vaporize fuel and create pressure and it moved the the check valve in the rollover vent and closed that vent off that I had the cap on because I took that off and then nothing happened. So I unscrewed the top of the fuel cell 
and then it ventilated. And I'm like, what the hell happened? So, yeah, at least I got it to stop spraying fuel for no good reason. So that was really weird. Um, I got that fixed. Hopefully, fingers crossed, I don't spray fuel all over the place anymore. So there's that problem fixed. I got a new rear in the car. I got a new setup in the car. I'm going the opposite direction of what I normally know, and I'm going back, back towards convention, and we're going to try it out this Thursday. So if anybody is uh, free and wants to come to the Speed Bowl to help me, feel free. So I'm sure there's going to be plenty of people there doing their own thing. So I'm going to bring a bunch of parts, and we're going to try stuff, and uh, hopefully I get on the track at least twice to try things out. So... Anyway, Jesse, do you have any up? No. Okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> no. I'm waiting for Simpaku. Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to move it on into the second segment of the show, which is the much anticipated and much revered second segment. I couldn't even get that out of the show. It is the Darf comment of the week. That was quick. I wish you all could know what goes on behind the scenes, so I'm going to tell you. Uh, we started the show, God, like 25 minutes late today because we were just scouring the internet for a DARF because uh, hand in the air, I dropped the ball on that because I was too busy taking notes. I actually watched like 99% of the races this weekend. Uh, I don't know if F1 raced, but I don't watch that anyway anymore. And no one cares. I think there was an IndyCar race, but I didn't know about it, so I didn't watch it. Forgot. So that's the only two that I pretty much missed, but everything local I got to see except for Seekonk because I couldn't be in two places at once. I was at Waterford on Saturday. Uh, I watched Stafford Friday and Saturday on my phone while in between races at Waterford. And our Seekonk correspondent, Sean Miner, wrote in, so he got us covered on Seekonk. So anyway, I think I'm going to throw to Jesse for the DARF comment of the week this week because he found it. While Which is irony because I am not Mr. Social Media. Correct. I, um, yeah. While Phil and I were scouring Twitter, Jesse was on Facebook, where all the boomers live. And I found the dumbest boomer of them all. <laughs> so why don't you tell us, where, where'd you get this post from? Okay, NASCAR is on Fox Post on the thoughts on on Ross Crashdane and <laughs> take it to UPS car and resembling one of UPS's boxes after we get done delivering them. Correct. It's all smashed up and folded up like an accordion. It's not as bad as FedEx though. No, not really. But so they were just so they were just pumping it out. So it was a video a interview with Rick Hendrick yeah, and he was giving we'll his thoughts later. on Yeah, we'll have an interview about it later, but Yeah, so when I scroll through them, I'm looking for the one with the most laugh reacts and the and the <laughs> most the most uh, interacted with and with 170 mostly laugh re reacts mm -hmm. was a guy named John W. Moore. Oh, we got a gray beard and he's missing most of it up top. He looks like Wilford Brimley, but with long hair, kind of. Yeah, he's kind of a boomer. So, what's the guy from? Oh, god damn it, I forgot what band I was thinking of. It was a David Crosby. Uh, yeah, we could go with that. Yeah, that sounds about right. But he know. just he, didn't he just die? Oh, thank god. <laughs> Ouch. Harsh room. Anyway, yeah, he looks like that guy. I so, was thinking more Fleetwood Mac, but go ahead. Oh, yeah, fat Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, so he goes, anyway, talk about the Ross Chastain and stuff. He goes, you people need to look at the films a little closer, folks. 90% of the time, Ross does nothing wrong. 
It's like, well, wait a minute. I mean, let's have a little bit of uh, self-reflection and a little bit of curiosity about ourselves here. Why is he in every single conversation following a race with contact on his front bumper? I'll tell you what. If it's 90% of the time it's not his fault, that 10% is killing him. That 10% right there is is, <laughs> is Kyle Larson pushing him all the way down the front straightaway. And that I think he had his numbers backwards. Yeah, I think so. I think, yeah, that 10% has cost him the win already. And, yeah, like mm-hmm. I said, he's getting pushed down the straightaway with a middle finger in him through the window and a giant smile on Kyle Larson's face probably. Like, fuck you, idiot. <laughs> yeah. I, I think 90% of the time it is his fault, and the other 10% of his, the time it's still his fault, but we'll give him a pass. Yeah, uh, sometimes it's, it's him putting himself in bad positions, and I'm sure we'll talk more about it later, but he, he's not one of those guys that lives in the moment. So, <laughs> But anyway, 90% of the time, uh, I don't know. I can't really... Beat a silver-haired middle-aged white man for he is, but he's missing he most of it <laughs> for for Ross. But this guy sure does. And uh, well, for that and uh, and just being a, an idiot, we'll just give you our dark comment of the week. And may God have mercy on your bald soul. <laughs> that was a short one. We have so many notes this week. We have to kind of hurry it up. Or else we're going to be here for two and a half hours again. One of these days, we're going to find somebody who actually listens to the show and call them out. (laughs) And they're going to be pissed. That's where I look first. Yeah, that's true. But anyway, why don't we move it on here? Because... God, I was just letting Jesse roll on. I let my notes lapse here. All right, so we actually have... Oh, it didn't even take that long. I call them stupid, quick, fast, and in a hurry. Right, you don't have to sit there and dwell on it. You yeah, can tell what call a spade a spade and get it over with, right? Land the plane, folks. Yep. That's what I'm about. <laughs> we got to land the plane more often on this show. And I'm usually the worst culprit. So anyway, we have some news from last week. Canada uh, being... Can- or, all the Canadian teams in the NHL have been eliminated. Are those news? No, but it is news. Uh, We have news we missed from last week because we released the show too early, also known as not-so-news. All right, following Saturday's NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour race at Monadnock Speedway, uh, the number 7 Tommy Baldwin Racing Modified driven by Doug Kobe was issued a penalty as a result of post-race inspection. I don't think it took the win from him, though, so what was the point? Uh, the rules infraction is as follows. Penalty, Force charity. Penalty level uh, P3, I think is what it says. I took this cut and paste from an article. So Was it Race Day CT? I think it was NASCAR Weekly something. Home tracks, I think, though. Okay. Um, it was, it, let's see, it said uh, penalty level P3, rule 20D-12.1, coil springs, uh, rule A6, after the vehicle has cleared pre-qualifying or pre-race technical inspection, one coil spring rubber insert, not to exceed one full coil of the front coil spring, acceptable to NASCAR officials, will be permitted. Well, apparently they had two. Yeah, the you can see it in some of the pictures, actually. The right front coil spring has two spacers. It's probably an easily overlooked rule. Yeah. Mean, especially if it's going to be right out in the open like that. Yeah, it's... Kind of easy to see that, especially when it's, you know, exposed. So, whatever. 
Uh, crew chief Tommy Baldwin was issued a $1,500 fine and was suspended from the NASCAR Whale and Modified Tour until the fine is paid. Baldwin is also under probation until the end of the year. So Fort's cha- uh, charity. I guess, ch- yeah. Well, That's just, where usually the Let's just the say goes. it's for charity. <laughs> it's NASCAR. It probably just goes into their pockets. Anyway, there was local racing going on. Did, can you believe this? Uh, yeah, well, it is. Uh, it didn't rain? No, it didn't rain. Uh, actually, we are under, I believe, fire watch because it's so dry now. Which oh, is? Did you move to Florida? I no. I thought I thought it rained every day. It's so day in humid Florida. in Florida. There can't be wildfires. <laughs> there's no there's no dry air to burn flame. That is not true. It's so humid. It's all a hundred percent saturated. I think if somebody We've flicked had a lit cigarette out in his yard. Three days of rain in the past four months. Wow. Yeah. Well, I don't think they need a lot of rain because the entire state is a swamp. So. No, no comeback. All right. No, it's not a swamp either. <laughs> it's a swamp. We just miss you. That's all. We really don't hate Florida that bad. Yeah, we don't hate Florida. And it's not flat. I'm 85 feet above sea level. The Ooh. whole 85 feet. Ooh. Hey, how do you ch- how do you look that up? By the way, just Google it. <laughs> what's my ele- what's my elevation at my location or something like that? All right, I live in Connecticut, and we're not exactly the most mountainous state. I'm going to say you're 315 feet above sea level. What's my current elevation? Because I'm curious now. I kind of like this weird shit. How about I look that shit up? It says, no, I got my phone. I got my phone. It says 320 feet. Damn, I was close. I don't know how much I believe it, but you know what? It's got to be close. I don't know. Anyway, (laughs) we're talking racing. Forgot about that. Right, so we were watching... I wanted to go, but I just couldn't find time. I had a lot of stuff going on. But luckily, I have a Flow Racing subscription, so I was able to watch all of Stafford this weekend. And uh, I believe if you have one and you're interested in watching all of the late model events from North Wilkesboro that's going to be happening, I think as of recording, if you're getting it now, if you're listening to this now, you're probably uh, Tuesday. So, yeah, I'm saying it's probably, well, it's Tuesday, Wednesday. They have. Uh, ASA and Cars Tour? I'm guessing yes. Yeah, I think so. Our silence is good. Oh, okay. I, I think ASA is tomorrow. Tuesday. Yeah, I think Prolates maybe are Wednesday and then Cars Tour Thursday. I thought they were going to run Cars Tour both in one day. Don't quote me on that, but I thought that's what they were going to do. Uh, but anyway. NorthWilkesboroSpeedway.com and see. Oh, God, my monitor shut off. How does that happen? I don't know. I've my video card's taking a shit on this computer. Anyway, but yeah, That's if you have a flow race, if you have a flow racing subscription, you can watch those, which is pretty awesome. I plan on doing that probably from the shop. I'll probably be experimenting on scales in my car tomorrow, and well, loading it up Wednesday at some point. But anyway, with your flow racing subscription, I wish they paid us. Because we do enough shelling for them. Uh, you could watch Stafford. It's much better to go there in person, if you ask me, because the experience of being at the track is so much better than watching it on TV. But sometimes it's more comfortable. Sometimes you can't. You know, you get the deal. But I like being there in person better. So 
Oh, you just saw Sterling Marlin. Yeah, he doesn't look great. Sad. No, he's he looks like half of him's missing. Poor guy. Yeah, well, I think he he's looks, got Parkinson's, doesn't yeah. he? Yes. Yeah, it's not great. Poor guy looks like so he's got the, cancer. The East MD one fifty is Tuesday. I think that's the ASA race. ASA Stars National Tour, something like that. Yeah, Crossroads Harley Davidson seventy five Pro Late models in Window World one twenty five on mm-hmm. Wednesday. It looks like. All right. Yeah, I'd read something that the ASA Stars series is one day, and then they get both cars tour races the next day. But isn't the Wheel of Modified Tour running too, or is that I believe later in the year? I I believe they are, but I don't know when. I figured it would be this week, but I, yeah. Jesse, look that Jesse up. Jesse, look that you, up. <laughs> you circle the wagon. That's my job. Anyway. You, you get the wagons going. Anyway, yeah. So if you're a race fan and you don't have a subscription to any of these, to be fair, any of these um, f- subscription services, whether it's Flow or Dirt Vision, what are, what's another good one? Um, Flow, Dirt Vision. Racing. Uh, Huntthefront.tv. No, no. That's a good one. Racing up. No, I was going to say, say Racing right America, no, but I can't, I can't because that. they double charge you for everything. That's, that's not a Racing good one. Racing Scam America. And they're they're sir, we have we have friends who work for them. Speed and speed, those people. Uh, Speedsport.tv. Oh, okay. There's a lot of good ones there. Yeah, we have friends who Pitrow.tv. Pit North oh, Wilkesboro no is going to be at North Wilkesboro Saturday, September 30th. There we go. Okay, I, I didn't I think it was right North away. Wilkesboro would be at North Wilkesboro. Oh, NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour. NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour will be at North Wilkesboro. Yeah. Saturday, September. Did I say North Wilkesboro, North Wilkesboro? I don't really know, but we fixed it. I probably it. am. We I'm fixed it anyway. Who cares? <laughs> I, am, I am that retarded, so it's not surprising. Yeah. I was. Yeah. So any of those, uh, I wish Racing America would just pay you, you know, one price instead of making you pay a subscription fee and then for a pay per view. Yeah. It's like, come on, guy, just charge one price it's and be done with it. It's at the tip of my tongue, but no, I can't say it. Like I said, we have, I think I've said it three, four times and never finished, but we have friends who work for Racing America and they do a fantastic job. It's not their fault that Racing America sucks and their servers are junk. Well, it's management's fault. As the fault of any company, as you know, it is management. Correct. It's never the people at the bottom. It's always the people making the biggest choices. Swing upward, friends. Right. So, God, yeah. I keep forgetting to eh, get my notes ready. All right, I'll get finally get into Stafford here. There was a, I don't know what phase of the moon it was or well, what was going on, but well, I, I good was, Christ, it the, was Don't bad. the beginning of every season, the three of us come to the conclusion that really uh, racers should reskin their cars on the second from race. the year before on the second race? Yes. Not the first race of the no. season. Never do it the first race because you're just going to ruin it. I mean, I know you're going to have to rush probably, but who really gives a shit because you're probably going to wreck it anyway. Here's the thing. Get templates made for it, make it fit, and then just slap it on in the week. You know what I mean? There. Get your wrap delivered already. Yeah. I I tried to do that in 2017, and I was told I was lazy. Uh, I love you, Chris (laughs) Meyer. (laughs) Well, you know what? It also shows forethought because Jesse... How many times have we put a brand new body on your car? I even painted it by hand with an automotive paint sprayer, automotive paint, waxed it, everything for you to pile it into John Carpenter. Yeah, dude, it never <laughs> All <fails>. the time. <laughs> Sorry. All the time. 
Jesse would wipe the freaking complete sides off both sides of the car and bring the thing back <laughs> after the first race. I'm like, can you be any harder on equipment? Every time we didn't reskin the car, I would win the icebreaker. So. Yes. Yeah. Every single time we'd leave it alone, you'd do fine. Every time we'd skin it, it would come with the sides hanging off of it. It's like hey, To be fair, too, Chris Meyer helped me put a brand new body on mine in 2017 after I – I didn't put a body on because I couldn't afford it that year because I had lost my job. But he helped me put a brand new body on it, and Ryan Waterman drove all down the left side of it. <laughs> See, second race of the year. See, you got to wait, Se- man. First, first time the thing hit the track, he just broke it in for me. <laughs> Well, that's what I did to Barnett. He had that nice, fancy, brand-new body, and I said, I'm going to go put a donut on that thing. Don't you dare. First time he got underneath me because I wasn't handling I just drifted down on that straightaway and right into the side of him, put a full donut <laughs> right into it. He was pissed. <laughs> I, I wasn't pissed. I, me uh, and Ryan were laughing about it in the pits because he, he just shoved the nose off. He tried to drive off way too low and drove straight into my door. <laughs> I knew I didn't, exactly what happened. I didn't dent it. I just gave him a donut. We can't dent plastic. I just gave him a nice donut, and that was it. But anyway. He's got that Fisher-Price body on there. It looks like, oh, yeah. I don't, uh, I just, uh, I want to no, go, go off on a tangent on it. I'm not going to do it. Not doing it. Is it that little Fisher-Price pedal car, that little plastic thing with the red body and the yellow roof? It looks like Barnett's car. I had one of those. I forgot what it was. I found, I found it on the side of the road. What do they call those? Fisher Price or Play School, one or the other. It could be one or the same. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, it's some kind hairs. of pedal cart. Yeah. yeah, we're just splitting hairs at this point, but yeah. Right. Poor Larry. I hate those bodies now. I just, just, yeah, they're just not what I want. Stafford does street stocks, right? And we'll talk about them now because we keep going off on tangents and this thing's not going to, this thing's going to be three hours. I swear to God. All right. Street stocks. Let me go through some talking points here. Uh, John Orsini and Marvin Minkler would get together, cause a melee on lap one. <laughs> it's one. it's actually kind of topical because turn Orsini's one, back. turn three, lap one, all kinds of brand new body parts scattered all over the place. I saw orange from Tyler Trott's car. I saw the forty-two of Down Eagle flying. I'm like, what the? F- what are you idiots doing? Like, what are you Downey doing? Down got some serious air. Yeah, he. Probably ripped all the trailer arms out of that car. I'll be Tyler honest with Trott you. Tyler did some badass temper tantrum donuts coming onto pit road. I really don't blame him. It's kind of frustrating. Yeah, he put. I a, know, but it wasn't like, even just, his fault. You know, yeah. that was Marvin Minkler's fault, really, for throwing it in there. Yeah, but the, the thing that sucks ugh. is I wouldn't be surprised if Stafford gives him a penalty for that because he's doing donuts on pit road. Yeah. You just got to keep your head cool in that situation. You got to pull in, park. It wasn't your day. I hate it. Yeah, you're right. There are people out on pit road. So I You'd be really flinging argue. shit. And what if you have a tire come off and you hit an official with it when you're spinning it and shit? You know what I mean? Well, good thing they made pit road wider. They did. Yeah, pit road Finally. was wider. They, they added pit stalls and they made pit road two lanes wide outside the stalls. So let's wait and see when uh, people start bitching. And I haven't heard any yet. So. Hopefully that works out for everybody. But, uh, yeah, that wreck took out contenders Travis Downey. Uh, He said maybe they should have had heat races instead of starting the season by going straight to a feature because it would have given given people a lot more track time and maybe it would have cooled them off. But then again, it is on the drivers to be smart enough to understand that, hey, idiots, it's the first race of the year. 
why don't you chill out for a second? Everyone got all excited and set the tone for the entire weekend because I think also facts. every single race at Stafford was a complete shit show. I thought the Did you happen to see Scott Tapley responded to me on Twitter and he kind of has an idea of what happened? Uh, I did not, actually. I didn't see that. He he wants to say, and, and he said nobody's fault, just part of it, better planning next time or, or something to that effect, but it it had to do with uh, the tour rubber of some sort. Oh, so, scheduling? The tour rubber compound. Yeah, I guess the way everything laid out, it just made the track really greasy for the Actor and for other classes. I don't know, but they could lift off the the, the right pedal a little bit more and press the left one a little bit better. I mean, they I made it in dumb spots. <laughs> I mean, I mean, what's here's my reaction to watching that whole race weekend. Uh, bonus Santa, I want you to use all your powers and all your skills. I don't want his mother to see him this way. Look how they massacred my boy. <laughs> I honestly don't think Scott really needed to come up with an answer for that because, like you said, Jesse, they've got pedals in their cars. Use them. It's mostly the it's mostly the drivers, but sometimes, and I hate to say it, but you got to save them from themselves sometimes. It's, but. it's it's the nut. You have to tighten the nut between the seat and the steering wheel. Yep. It's tough. But I mean, hard. yeah, I agree with Scott. You know, first race of the year, the track's not quite rubbered in yet, and you put a bunch of different types of rubber out on the racetrack, and it's just grease city. You got that's that greasy ass tour rubber. Then you've got guys like uh, the street stocks, which let's be fair, they don't have the soft or the hardest compound tires with those seven hundreds, but it's gonna be softer than tour rubber, so that'll tear it up. Then you got late models with their what kind of tires are they? Eight eighties? I think they are. Something around that area. So that's a harder tire, and that'll tear rubber up. And then you got modified to go back out, and it's just layer on, layer off, and it's like SK, Tor, Street Stocks. And then it's like just the the different layering of the rubber is just horrible. Like if you've ever raced at Thompson when the Pro All-Star Series goes out there, oh, my God, it's awful. It's like driving on grease or racing at Waterford after the NEMA midgets go out. It's Awful. But I remember when we started when we first went to Thompson. Yeah. In my car, nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. We asked uh, you know Scott Cook if there's anything he could help out with, and he goes, "Hey, you know what you need to do? You need after Go the throw tour six rubber, rounds of wedge in after that thing. the tour rubber. You got to put a ton of wedge into the car." He said, "Just go throw about six rounds of no, wedge." No, he didn't say rear. how much it was, and we didn't bother asking. Oh, him. I thought he said that. So we I said, thought... "Oh, okay, we'll put one or we, we put like a round and a half in." We thought that was a lot. Nope. We saw we saw him putting six rounds of wedge in. <laughs> he tell us how much, and we didn't ask yeah. him. So, no, but I mean that was good advice. Mm. Yeah, just chuck a bunch of wedge at it. Yeah, it's pretty much the same thing. But and that just takes a little experience, and I don't know. It's been that way for years upon years upon years. Yeah. So I guess so. You know, you got to race the racetrack and feel it out real quick, and then you can get ahead on it. Yeah. How about having a memory longer than three hundred and sixty-four days? It's not even that long. It was like since October. You know? Well, not I meant for long. more, yeah, well, from the different compounds. <laughs> but yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, even that long. No, I mean, they ran tour type races all the way up until October. So, I mean, it's not like it's that far off. And I don't know. Forget it. We'll move on. Uh, let's see. Later, dueling spins at both ends of the track, including third place Bill Cody, would bring out a, uh, another yellow. 
I uh, just want to bring up Johnny Walker here. Not sure what happened to him, but he looks like a dart without feathers out there. I figured I'd bring that up. Uh, he would spin on his own as well he, he and was bring on out the, another yellow. He was on the struggle bus, and he was sitting next to the driver. Yeah. Yeah. It's like he was giving him directions. Yeah. Uh, he, he looks like he's still struggling with brake issues. And I don't know how. It could be. They, they were struggling with rear brake when they first went to the disc brake stuff, and I don't know if they've they've got it 100% sorted out just yet. You know, it's funny. Um, when we went to rear brakes or rear disc brakes in our cars, I had issues for one race. Yeah. I, I didn't have any issues whatsoever. Yeah, because we used my <laughs> my ideas and you didn't have to have issues. Well, I mean, <laughs> I just know that you have to get them. You have to, use, you have to shim them into the correct spot. Well, yeah, that, but, I mean, like, compounds as well. Like, if you put a really aggressive compound on an open rear car with a with a rear disc brake setup, you're wheel hopping immediately. No, no, you don't want to. <laughs> you're wheel hopping. No, you want ceramic, not metallic. <laughs> yeah, we. I bought, literally, this is some tech mixture. tips for all you guys. I bought the cheapest brake pads I possibly could off Rock Auto and slapped them in the rear because that's... This you got so much more clamping force, and if you put aggressive pads in there and have an open rear diff, you're locking the rear brakes up and going straight into the wall. So don't do that. That's right. <laughs> right, Phil? Yes. I mean, once you lock the rear up, you can start getting a little more spicy with the rear pads, but don't. You do not want that. Don't do that. Don't, the, yeah. The, don't the do wheel that. hop problem is just... It's scary when you have to get back to the throttle when you you're on someone's tail to to settle the wheel hop. It's unsettling. Yeah, in in those cars, if you especially if you're an open rear end car, you can't lift out of throttle all the way. No, don't even bother. No, you just keep the throttle cracked open at don't at bother. The least, yeah, don't bother. Whenever I would drive at Stafford, if I had a little bit of wheel hop, because it's pretty easy to do there, um, I would just. Like, if I was in traffic and I started wheel hopping, I wouldn't even lift out of the brakes. I'd just kind of squeeze the throttle back down until it stopped doing it and then just kind of roll back out of it and just keep rolling. It was fine. Some driver and tech tips for you all. Look, we're on a roll here of helping the community. All right, anyway, uh, let's see. Later on, the matches. It was nice to see Dave Sr. back out there. Yeah, after that rollover. Yeah, they. I know. Uh, who was it? Was it Zach and Brockett got together and helped him fix his car? Don't know. Yeah, I, I, I want to say die. yes. I, I can't remember now how that all came together. I think they had an old Bush North chassis sitting somewhere and cut the center section off of it and hmm. put it on a frame and got a new car back together for him or something. Yeah, I mean, something, whatever they did, he got him back out there. And I'm glad to see him back out after that wicked crash last year. Uh, let's see. But they got together and sent each other spin, and looks like Junior got in a little bit hot into turn one. And, again, wheel hopped, got the rear end sideways, uh, hit Dad in the back left rear, both went tandem spinning, both a uh, few cars had to avoid, but everyone made it by and everybody continued. Uh, let's see, the race for the lead was physical. It was fun to watch. Uh, Ryan Waterman was able to pick up the win. It was his first at Stafford over defending champion Travis Hydar. They each traded bumpers back and forth. Hydar would give him a shot. And then uh, Ryan, or he gave him a shot into one on the last lap. Ryan cowled him coming off, too, and it was enough to open up some room to stretch it out, which I was like, yep, that's a veteran move. Yeah. 
Travis was definitely the faster car. Oh, yeah. So I just hope Brian puts it in the memory bank that he let him live. Yeah, but he did the right thing yeah. when Travis pounded him going into the corner to try to open a lane up. Yeah. He said, okay, and just hooked it left coming off and hit him in the left front and yeah. knocked him back down into the grass, Didn't, Yeah, which is what you're supposed to do. Yes, especially defending the lead. I agree. Right. Now, I thought this was a shit show, but the and I'm keeping track of this. The elapsed time of the race was 34 minutes. To be fair, was not that awful, but still pretty bad. Um, if you thought this was a shit show, just wait for it. By the way, we have to send kudos out to Walt Hovey, longtime street stock competitor all over the place, Thompson, Waterford, etc. Father of? Father of. Nicholas Hovey, who races SK Lights. Who won it? Waterford. Who has won at Stafford in the street stocks, who's won at Waterford in the SK Lights. Um, he's got an SK Light now at Stafford, like I said. Walt took over the his kid's ride just to come back racing. Practice. He broke a lower ball joint and stuffed the car, right? Just big hit. Luckily, Stafford has safer barriers all the way around, and that actually kind of mitigates a lot of damage. Now, I think the horns are bent, maybe the clip's bent, but they were able to fix that car. <laughs> he comes back out, races hard. He finished fifth. <laughs> I guess it's a combination of good driving and good luck and staying out of trouble. It was fast, too. I'll be honest. The thing was pretty quick, even though it probably bent it the right way. Look how they massacred my boy. <laughs> oh, and... Uh, Walt, Walt is a shoe still. He's. Uh, we came up racing against guys like Walt and had a lot of battles with guys like him. I believe he's a former champion at Waterford um, back in the NASCAR era days. And, uh, yeah, it, it's fun to watch guys who you came up with still racing, even if they stepped away for a bit and come back. And uh, it was also cool to see some uh, sons of racers we came up with. Aaron Plemons came up to Thompson, or, uh, Stafford this year. I believe he's running dual schedules at Stafford, Waterford. I might, I, you know, I think he might actually run Thompson, too, with the Waterford car. But I think he finished fourth. Yeah. So a good showing for those guys. Another good there. run. Yeah, yeah, another great run. Limited late models. Let's go into those. They had a decent field. I think they were touching 15, 16, I think. Something like that. It might have been more. I'm not sure. I didn't keep track. It was off my memory there. wonder how many they're going to get when the bodies get outlawed at the other tracks. (laughs) Maybe a few more, because I bet you they're legal at Stafford. All right. Jeremy Lavoie barely avoided a spinning uh, car of Matt Clement. Did you see? Didn't really avoid him. He did get hit in the door. Well, he avoided him for the most part. Yeah. The Uh, full brunt. Yeah, taking minimal damage, but he did move to the lead pretty early, and he was the car to beat. Uh, all those normal cars that are always the shit show were really kind of this night as well. Uh, the majority of the cautions that flew were for those cars, and if you know, you know. Uh, I didn't feel like including them all. Uh, just cause There's of the a whole, lot of them. There was a lot of them, and the whole night was a complete shit show for everybody. So, Actually, the whole weekend, but we'll move on. Lavoy was cruising to victory until a yellow flew right as he was about to get the white flag. And he had literally the worst restart of all time. I don't know why he might have mentioned it in, in the, the podium interviews, but I don't, I don't recall. Uh, but anyway, I think he blamed the track. I think, yeah, now I remember he blamed the track. He said it was speedy dry or dusty on the bottom, and he shoved the nose. And I'm like, uh, well... 
you could have drove it in there a little bit better. You did. You got like no restart. The guy on the outside, he drove by you on the restart, even though you fired first. Like that's on you, guy. Uh, but anyway, it allowed Matt Clement, who was literally wrecking earlier and hit him, to get by on the outside and steal the win. I was like, well, shit, okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. Open modified duel number one. All right. Here comes a shit show. Noah Corner spun his tires on the outside pole. The accordion caused a wreck be uh, behind him where Dana DiMatteo got jumped over by Jeffrey Gallup. I believe that ended Gallup's day. I don't remember about DiMatteo, though. <laughs> so uh, they didn't even make it to the green. Let's see. Race actually went green until about halfway when Tommy Barrett and DiMatteo crashed hard up in the turn one to end their nights. Uh, let's see. It proved the street stocks were not the only shit show of the night as they decided to recycle a lot of parts in a qualifying race. Half of the cars were involved in an incident in one way or another. I know. I mean, this is a, it's a 40 lap qualifying race. That's it might pay 3,500 bucks to win, but that's a feature. You have to get <laughs> there first. <laughs> Jesus. It was just painful to watch. And I'm like, I gotta, I gotta work tomorrow. You know, can we get this thing in? Little did I know how much of a shit show was to come. I wish I could name the episode "shit show," but Apple will probably ban it. Uh, let's see. No, but you can name it the massacre at Stafford. <laughs> I was going C H I T shit show. Well, I was also gonna call it um, revolving stupidity, but we'll we'll see about that later. Let's see, John McKennedy and possibly Matt Swanson. I, d I actually don't think Matt Swanson ran out of gas, but John McKennedy ran out of gas with all the cautions. I think Matt Swanson actually had a mechanical failure, I if mean, I remember SK's correctly. SK's run 40 lap features. Yeah. Howard, I mean, Tor yeah. Howard Tormod's running out of gas. I don't know. If they filled the tank, they wouldn't worry about it, but I mean, these guys are so tuned up that they literally weigh out how much fuel they use I mean, to keep it as fast as possible. Kind of bit your bro. nose off to spite your face. Yeah, well, now how's it go? Now how's it going? You didn't finish. All right, so keep, I said keep in mind that these are only 40-lap races and guys are running out of gas. Anyway, since only 10 cars finished this race, how many started? 21-ish, 20, 21? <sighs> they were the only ones to qualify. Matt Hirschman won, no surprise. The elapsed time of this race was 52 minutes. Jesus. So don't go saying that the street stocks were a shit show. These were too. Um, that's not over yet either. That's the first one. <laughs> I uh, don't think I actually wrote down the times for the open modified. Damn it. Hang on a second. I think I missed the open modified dual. What the hell you call them? Oh, the time on track. Okay, well, the second one wasn't as bad on time. I found it, but no big deal. The second one was 36 minutes, so it was a little better, but still a shit show. First caution, this one came on lap 15 for a simple spin, and here's me hoping that it would be the last. Well, it wasn't. Bobby Santos backed it in the wall off of turn four right after. Uh, then Gary Putnam in turn three. Then Doug Kobe in turn three. Then Spencer Davis in turn two. 
And we just passed the halfway mark at that point. Oh, then Chris Pastriak in turn one. Now I'm wondering if I'll be able to watch the ACT race because it's 10 p.m. and I have to be up at 6. Then Chris Pastriak at the start-finish line. By the way, he would eventually take finish place, or finish in 10th place. God, I can't read. That is finish place because that's the cutoff line. It is finish place because we he... Like, uh, that's our new meme for, <laughs> for Finish coming. place. Yep, and if you get bumped out. That is the bump spot is now called finish place. Okay. Well, he did make it in, by the way. He did finish 10th, which was the final transfer spot, and that was the last car That was running. the finish place. Finish place. <laughs> <laughs> oh, surprise of the race was Andrew Krause. He made his way up to second late in the race, but nobody was going to beat Ronnie Silk as he dominated this one. Again, 36 minutes. Not too bad, but not great either because... Hmm. It was just caution after caution after caution after caution after halfway, and it was just annoying. Finally, they had the ACT race, and like I said, it's past 10 p.m. at this point, and it was the first time in 38 years that they've been there. If they like don't that. come back for another 38 years, I'd be fine with that. I didn't, you know, oh, if it's, it's not horrible, if it's not a complete night of shit shows, I bet you they do better. But oh no, it was awful. well, no, they're they're usually not that big of a shit show. I don't think. Then again, I'm probably I don't know. wrong. It wasn't good. Anyway. It, was, it was horrible. <laughs> it was horrible, Brent. Yeah, I mean, Dylan Moltz <laughs> broke on the pace lap. Yeah, he did. What do you? He broke a trailing arm or a track bar. I can't even remember. I think they said trailing arm, and somebody else did too. Yeah. So I'm just wondering if it's hollowed out bolts. I don't know, but they broke something. You know those hollowed out bolts, Phil. Oh, he's got, got plenty of them. You got plenty of those? Yeah. You're making some rear steer, huh? I had I had uh, gun drilled boats, bolts in the street stock. Oh, making that rear steer, boy. Cheater. <laughs> well, it's easy to make gun drilled steel bolts. You drill the center out and then you weld the ends and then scuff them so that they look like they're just polished off. No one's I inspecting bolts. Right. Dragged them on the ground. Yeah, or that. You could just scuff them by dragging them. It's crazy how much weight you can take off a car by doing stuff like that, though. You could take, like, five pounds off by drilling the middle of the freaking bolts out. A lot of people have started cutting off the end of their lug studs so they're even with the, the lug nut once it's on. Yeah. You take 15 pounds of rotating weight off the car. Which isn't a bad idea. Unless it's in the rule book. I right. think Thompson has it in the rule book. I believe, you know, I'd have to recheck again. Some of these places do have weird shit like that in there, but... I'm not checking right now. I'm not checking. We're moving on. <laughs> We're moving on. We haven't even started the ACT race yet. Anyway, it was apparent that the outside groove was completely useless, and uh, any car that was out there, including contenders, would just drop like a stone. It was a very Stafford outside groove. It, incredibly Stafford, uh, especially during this race. Uh because it was the end of the night and Tor Mods had just rubbered the shit out of the track. So Cody LeBlanc would spin into the turn three wall, restart at the back. Then Jared Materis would spin off a four and LeBlanc absolutely creamed him and finished off his bad night. I believe he came out of mini stocks, if I remember the name correctly. Brent, 26 LeBlanc. laps into the 75 lap race. They went to single file restarts. Yeah, they did. Uh, Jason, 27, 27 lap, lap 27, 
More yellow. And it was well, yellow after yellow after yellow after yellow. I got to mention this first, though. Jason Corliss was the winner at Thunder Road the week before. His night was ended due to an incident taking out his radiator. So nobody was safe. Nobody. Uh, they went single file because yellow fever plagued the entire night. I saw Jordan Hadley and Michael Bennett racing hard. Hadley got sideways off two, caught Bennett in the right rear, hooked him in the outside wall. Single file restart didn't change a thing, and nope. it usually does. And those guys went wrecking down the backstretch. And yeah, you'd think that single file restarts would at least stretch the field out a little bit. But these guys found a way. It's time to stop. <laughs> they found a way to keep wrecking. And I know the guys from the ACT pretty well. They must have been so pissed off. <laughs> they must have been so angry about this. I don't know. This. Why did they keep wrecking? I don't. I have no idea. It's not like, I mean, Stafford is not what you'd call a tight racetrack. You know what I mean? It's not very there's, narrow. There's, pl- there's room out there. There's plenty of room to race. And these and, guys and only wanted the to race. The safer barrier didn't even encroach on the surface. It didn't. No, they actually no. set it back so that it's about the same width. It got a lot of practice, that safer barrier. Yeah, they people tested it quite love, a bit. People just love to hit that shit. Yeah. Yeah, they really tested it this weekend. Not a lot of guys hit really hard, though, but they did you know, test it out a little. So no failures yet, which is good. Uh, multiple car wrecks kept happening, like we said, including one that took out perennial contender Joey Pole Warchick, Joey Pole. Um, Bless I, you. I fell asleep on lap 30 or 35, which was past 11.15 p.m., which could tell you a little bit past my bedtime there because I'm old. Uh, anyway. Lap 33, Gabe Brown and Woody Pitcat were back into the turn three wall. We're still going here. Uh, I think the ACT officials had had enough in more ways than one and put the yellow away for a while, and it was pretty much green from then on until the very end. Yep. I counted three different spins on track. Four if they just let Tom Carey the third keep it rolling because he did fire it back up after getting looped off at two, but they threw the yellow a little bit quick. Uh, he did keep it rolling but they did throw the caution out but uh but they put it away for the most part yeah they put it away for the big meat of the race uh late caution with four laps to go and then two laps to go would tighten it back up but dj shaw would dominate the second half to take the win all right are we ready for the total race time via race monitor how much one hour and 19 minutes oh i thought it was longer than that Holy for a shit. 75 oh lap God. race yeah jimmy was it, Renfrew- was it an act race or one of our i racing races yeah right it could have been both it, i think they, we they have been- sure race like it was an i racing if they they raced like it was week 13 <laughs> week 13 that's when you don't get any penalties right Yes, you get penalties, but it's all open entry. I thought you don't get penalty. The racing you can have you can have ours go into the pro type races. All right, so I have been on the iRacing service for over ten years. Right, I am a D class in oval asphalt and a rookie in absolutely everything else because I do not do the regular races. I'm embarrassed to say how long I've been on there. (sighs) Thirteen. 2008. I was a beta tester. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, about, it, about 13 I, years. I raced with a keyboard on NASCAR, the original Papyrus release. Oh I think God. everybody did. Like, oh God. I've been doing that. Yeah. Most you're clicking of my the life. left, clicking the left button while holding up. 
and making sure you yes. don't over overhold the button down. God, we're old. Anyway, Jimmy Renfrew was, was pretty, pretty good, good at it too. He was pretty good on the short runs. Jimmy did the, have speed short run, but yeah, the long once it finally got to a long run, he he did tend to fade. Yeah, but, the uh, the twinsy looking cars of Bukaki and uh, or Gluchaki and um, DJ Shaw. DJ Shaw, they look exactly the same. They got the same color combo going on. But they one number apart. Oh three, oh four. Yeah, yeah. Those stupid leading leading zero number cars. Yeah, Idiots. Mr. O one. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. So yeah, the, I'll tell you what the the broadcast on Flow. Uh, the Mercedes Benz side by side commercials were triggered by restarts. Apparently, did you get those? Because I don't remember even having side by side stuff. Did you yes. watch the replay? Yes. Oh, because it wasn't shown. I don't think it showed it was, live. It was on live too. Oh, I never saw it. It was on live too. Yeah, oh. I saw them live. Maybe they were live, and I just wasn't you just looking. Weren't up. paying maybe attention. I was, maybe I was like falling asleep on the couch, scrolling through TikTok or something. Stupid. I got a heart like a truck. Oh God Blood Almighty. Is that that Laney Wilson girl? Have no ass? idea who it is. Don't care. Phil would know. He probably watches. Forget it. Turn one. <laughs> the turn one and two camera has an image stabilizer failing. It shook I was, like hell. When I wanted, it was zoomed in, ooh. but all the way out, it was okay. I wanted to text Bonza so bad and be like, "Bro, whatever setting you have on number three cam, put it on one and two as well, because three is nice and smooth, no shake, no nothing." One and two look like somebody's like freezing up there know. or something. I'm trying to be nice, but it's probably interlaced camera too. I don't know. They gotta they gotta which fix them settings so. though. Which does ghosting yeah. and whatnot. It's not. It's I it's guarantee not crisp in motion. I guarantee you, it's just a couple settings, and just a couple button pushes, just to get it ironed back out completely. So anyway, they'll get it fixed. I'm pretty sure they're they're aware of it. If not, they are now. So anyway. Saturday, why don't we roll into that? SK Lights had 33 cars. That's way too many. <laughs> it's not too many. Yes, it is. It's too many if they don't have spotters. I don't um, know. Does it really matter if they had spotters? Because the dual races had spotters. They were shit show. <laughs> true. But some of the wrecks that happened in the SK Light race might, let's just say might, have been fixed by having spotters, and we'll get to it in a second because about it took them about 15 minutes to complete lap one. Uh, Brandon Michael and Amanda West had their days end in the turn one wall. I believe, uh, what's his name? Bourgeois, middle class. Eric middle class? Yeah. No, it's not Eric. It's what's his name? His kid. Oh. <laughs> Evan. Evan. Yeah, I knew it was an E. Yeah, it's him. Evan Bourgeois. Sorry. That's his new name because uh, the guy who voices the ACT called him that. Uh, anyway, but I like it. Middle class. He was down in the in the grass. I think he continued, possibly, maybe have been in another wreck. But anyway, Casey Vogt got high up in turn three with some help, which he'll mention later. Spun down the track, got T-boned, ending his night, and he was not happy about these circumstances. Casey Voigt out of the race way too early. Casey, man, what happened to the 75 car? Uh, well, it was clear as day the 33. I mean, I know they were getting into some stuff up front, but she just clear out, just turned right. That's why with no spotters, that's what's going to happen. She has oh. no clue what she's doing out there. She's got no idea where people are. She's constantly coming over into my lane, and 
that's the end result of that. Tough break right now for the 75. He's out of the race, Casey Boyd. He's frustrated, and you can hear that. That's the voice of somebody who works on their own car. <laughs> you can tell right away. Um, but he, as a driver, says, yeah, they you know, probably should have spotters for certain little things like this. I'm not saying that they're the end-all, be-all, will-fix-every-problem that they have with wrecking cars, because There's, that's absolutely yeah. not true. It's proven not true. It's proven not Especially true. Especially with the duels. <laughs> Especially with the late models and the SKs and the tour mods. Who else has them? I mean, everybody wrecks. Let's be fair. Yeah, but you know, but some things. Yeah, you know, some things you can help, and we see it a lot. But some things obviously are all in the driver's hands. And I mean, Stafford is the kind of people who, if it ain't work, don't or if it's working, don't fix it or something like that. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. But you know, they'll probably just stick with this because, well, to be fair, they have thirty-three cars going out there, and we don't. So, you know, what's really the problem here? It's just inexperienced drivers in my mind. So, anyway, I don't think I think a lot of people just out there racing who need a street stock ride for about five or six more years, and then maybe yeah. a limited late model ride for a little longer, and yeah. then maybe you can get into an open wheel car because yeah, there's a lot more. Um, let's not sacrifice our children to the culture of Malak early. Yeah, let's not keep doing Malak. that. Yeah. Let's just um, let's put them in something with less consequence to learn, and then go to something that has a lot more consequence. Um, I, I say it all the time, and I've said it to you. I've said it to a million people. The ladder is broken. Well, everybody, every kid with money takes the elevator now. Yeah, it's not a ladder; it's an elevator. Well, if you can afford to take the fancy thing, you take it. <laughs> it's just that the problem I, is, is that. The people with the money don't understand the ladder. They're just like, oh, that looks fun. Let's put that together. They don't understand that, you know, with a lot of this comes consequence and you really muddy the waters of fun. And if racing's not fun for these people, they're not going to show up. And by racing and being a shit show and wrecking cars and just throwing more money at it and saying, keep learning, that's ruining fun. And people just don't like Casey Vogt. I mean, He's out there not really being a complete shit show. I mean, he's got his moments in the earlier times, but, you know, he got wrecked because somebody had inexperience, and that's bottom line. Not going to come back on the person with the inexperience. That's going to fall in his lap. It's just tough to make owners willing to spend that kind of money on race cars and tell them they can't run because their drivers don't have enough experience. Making making them go through a lot of hoops when car counts are usually – Usually not very good for well everybody else not Stafford but yeah mm. it's just a it's just a another side effect yeah and the thing is is it should fall on the shoulders of the owners I don't think that the tracks or anybody has really the authority to tell people where to spend their money they should just know outright that experience is something that's going to be necessary and something that has consequence so moving on we can talk about this all day. Anyway, lap eight, a multi-car wreck in turn three would stop the battle for the lead between Tyler Chapman and George Bissett. I don't think I wrote down who was in that, but there was a good amount. Excuse me. The battle would continue as mostly part-time competitor, at least in the past, Brian Sullivan, would show strong yet again. And I say mostly part-time because he used to race part-time all the time, and then he won a title 
but he didn't even show up for all the races in that season either. So I think he lucked out because of a rain out and he like, <laughs> like he missed a couple races and he still won the title. So anyway, um, he would show strong yet again and he would take the lead around five to go with Bissett and Chapman hot on his heels. But with four to go, Joey Farino would lose a tire and spin off turn four, setting up another restart. Brian Sullivan damn near gave it away by running way too wide out of turn four and allowing Chapman underneath him coming to the line, and he would only win by a margin of five thousandths of a second, which was literally the coat of paint on his front bumper. I was like, he's got the thing wrapped up. Chapman didn't completely haul off in there and, you know, smash his rear bumper. He had the thing sewn up. All he had to do was basically run the low line coming out, no problem. Guy hammers the throttle. You watch the nose take off, and the thing goes way up the racetrack. Chapman just runs his normal line, gets underneath him, and goddamn near, you know, beats him to the line. I'm like, dude, you almost handed it to him on a silver platter, saying, "No, I don't want to win. I didn't bet on myself. I had to, I had to cover the spread here." It was really weird. It was just very strange. I don't know, but well, I think he even said in his interview, almost gave it to him. But yeah, yeah. I mean, you're you're leading the race. You got to know that you're you're in good shape. Just hold it down, man. All right, SKs. Let's keep moving. Jimmy Blewett would make his return to Stafford competition from the pole of this 28-car field. Pretty damn good field of uh, SKs, considering Waterford was also running on Saturday as well. I don't think they give a damn about that, but Waterford probably suffered because of it. Uh, let's see. We saw two cars get black flagged under green conditions, which, well, you don't see very often. Anthony Bello and David Arut were both sent to pit road for leaking fluids, I believe. Uh, I think Arut might have gotten back out because he might have had something blocking his radiator, like grass clippings or dirt or something. I think they might have gotten it cleaned out and he was able to continue, but I don't remember. Uh, let's see here. We didn't have a caution until lap 24 of 40. And I was just hoping that we had broken the streak of complete shit shows all weekend. No. But no. Mike, Mike Christopher's car would die with 11 to go and drop him from second position. And a non-related spin. I mean, isn't that just, I mean, Mike Christopher's bad luck has been rolling over the minutes. Yeah. Rolling over time from from years. He's had He's it's, had a bad luck for years and years and years almost. Yep. Continually bad luck. I mean, it's just it's but, heartbreaking. Yeah. Like I said, a non-related spin to him dropping out would bring out the yellow. Then Rich uh, Gutro, I think his name is, ate the wall off a of turn four. Uh, that was about it, though. We were spared a complete shit show for once uh, this weekend, and Jimmy Blewett would make a statement in his return by winning for the first time since, I believe, it was 2005. In the SKs, Keith Rocco had definite speed in his new ride. Uh, he's in the 22 car for Dan Avery, I think. I'm sorry. Yep, was Mike Mike Sullivan? Oh, um, or Mike O'Sullivan? I don't know how the, what, what his last name is uh, well, as the crew chief, which is kind, kind of, of a throwback. Well, there's kind of both, so <laughs> there's two guys. I think it's um, Mike Sullivan. He was with Teddy Christopher forever. Yeah, and I thought that's I thought that's what it was, um, yeah. but yeah, that's a good combo already. I think Keith is kind of, if I had to wager a guess, I think he's kind of stepping back on his own stuff, but he's focusing on his business side of racing, 
like the rentals and stuff and partnered with Dan on this. I think he's obviously providing, you know, setup stuff and engines and whatever he's got to do. Uh, and Dan's just kind of providing the crew car and maintenance, you know, so it's already proving to be a good fit because he came out and was strong top three all weekend long, finished second. So they're off to a good start. Unlike last year, <laughs> when Keith had that brand new car and the best thing they ever did to it was wallet in turn one. Because that thing just did not work. All right. There were fender cars on Saturday, surprisingly. Uh, late models took to the track. And again, proving me wrong from years past, Stafford did. Uh, 21 Stafford late models would take the green. Was that too many? No. <laughs> Nothing is too many. There's got to be concies for me to think there's too many. Tom Fern would take the lead. I mean, how did they wreck? Did they wreck a lot? Surprisingly, not really a lot. Um, they had their normal. It seemed kind of normal for a late model race. Actually, it seemed a little bit tamer for a late model race. They had, you know, it wasn't perfect, but it wasn't as big of a shit show. Tommy Fern would take the lead from Michael Ray on lap two. And this year, there are three of them in the late model field. Tom, Ryan's back in the 32 car, and Alexander moved up from limited late models into the late models in the 12 car. She did not have a great day, though. Uh, I think I saw her around backwards at least two or three times, which is kind of surprising because she dominated limited late models, and they're not that far off. I don't know. She might have had help. Camera wasn't on her all day, so I have no idea of knowing. You know what I mean? She was pretty good at the fall final. Yeah, she's had good moments in late models in her previous select starts, but the today was or that day was just not great. But anyway, uh, two quick cautions for spins around halfway would tighten the field up momentarily, and cautions breed cautions as they wad up a few in turn one. David Ray and Andrew Duran testing out the new safer barriers, but Tom Fern wouldn't be denied, and he would pick up the win, drawing him ever closer to Woody Pitcat on the all-time win list. Uh, let's see here. Two cars spun on the last lap and turn one behind the leaders, but they were enough out of the way for them to allow the race to finish instead of throwing the yellow, which was cool. Okay, moving on into the open modified spring sizzler. Was it? Jesus Christ, I forgot how many laps it was. It had to be 100. I didn't write it down. Sorry, I wrote it down for everyone else, but I didn't write this down. I think it was 100. What's that? The open modified race. Believe it was a hundred, right? Pretty sure. Anyway, yeah, babbling. Top runners, like the top four, didn't really change a heck of a lot the whole race. It was like yeah, one hundred. It was Silk, Pit Cat, the Hirschman, Kobe. Kobe would cycle through at least once, though I think. But other than that, there was like no changes in the top three all race. Uh, it was slowed by a few single car spins early. Lap 43, though, Marcello Refrano and Bobby Santos were part of a wreck under the flag stand. It appeared that Brian Narducci had gotten loose and into the grass ahead of the field. He kept it going and down out of the way, but it looked like the pack checked up when they saw him down there, and a few cars piled into the fence, and that would take Refrano and Santos out of the race. A few minor cautions would come out, but nobody was stopping Ronnie Silk, even though... Woody Pitcat made a strong charge at the end. Silk would win the 51st Spring Sizzler to take home a whopping $35,000 in person lap money. 
And if you couple that with his win last fall in the, I believe it was tri-track race, and the grand total money won for his team for the last two wins at Stafford is right on about $50,000, which is not bad for asphalt modified racing. Yeah, biggest in the region. That's impressive. Yeah, that's a good chunk of change for that team. That'll buy you uh, an engine, two engines. <laughs> Maybe one and a half. Mm. I think about one and a half, yeah. All right, here comes my area of expertise because I was doing the single camera shoot for Speed Bowl history. And uh, this is your segment right here, Brent. Yep, it's which so- is a segment of... Uh, yeah, Ball so. production, Sid's view, all that stuff. So go search for that on the old YouTubes. Yeah. And you can watch all of the races at Waterford throughout the season if we get some sponsorship to pay for those races um, because editing and filming doesn't come free. So, uh, so was this anyway? So, was Waterford better than Stafford as far as survivability? Uh, for the most part, I'll be honest. Yeah. For the most part, because I don't remember getting out of there much later than nine something, so it was not bad. SK, right, sit back, relax, have a frosty beverage. Will you fill me in about Waterford? I'm gonna fill everybody in about Waterford. Heck, I believe yeah. you know. It's funny is I believe the videos actually came out right before we were uh, uh, scheduled to go to uh, record today, so they are available over at Speedwell History YouTube channel. Uh, Tim Dore. If the last name sounds familiar, it is the son of, well, one of the sons of former Speed Bowl competitor Dwayne Dorr. I believe he has two of his sons racing in the mini stocks right now. Uh, let's see. He led the first eight laps until contact between him and, from what I could tell, Brad Caddick sent him into the backstretch wall collecting Jared Roy, Charlie Canfield. Uh, Roy would continue with some damage, but not the other two. And I had the camera focused on door the whole time because they were pissed. <laughs> and, um, I believe Brad Caddick is subbing in for Tim Baker. I believe he hurt himself outside the racetrack, uh, either at his job or at home or something. I forget what he did, but he's going to be out for a little bit. So Brad's driving the car right now and he's been decently quick, but I, again, go watch the video cause it's up and, uh, form your own opinion. Race went fairly clean from then on as Chris Garside was able to get to the lead. And last week's winner, John Bavalaco, was hot on his heels. It was a fight at the end as they they were side-by-side uh, side for a majority of the end of the race. Bavalaco was able to get under Garside coming out of two. Garside kept it strong on the outside, kept his momentum on the last lap. Even a small bump off of turn four. Actually, you know what? I think I was wrong. They weren't side-by-side. Side. I was thinking of a different race. But John ran him down. <laughs> Sorry, my memory's a little bit, you know, screwed up. So I got to get it right. But John ran him down, and he got Did you under. Get paid in free beers from Sid? No, I, you know, again, not fuzzy. It's just I watched so much racing over the last few weeks that it kind of melds together. It's tough and, to it's tough to hold the camera, yeah. up, you know, and then write notes on your cell phone. On the other hand, you need like three eyes. Well, I I film I film, and then when there's a break in the action, I put it down and start taking notes, and then. I usually don't finish my notes, and I have to pick the camera back up again when they go back green. But anyway, John ran him down. He had good speed. Ran down uh, Garside at the end. Gave him a little tap trying to get underneath him. That got Garside up the track a little bit, but that was pretty much it. 
Uh, Garside kept the momentum on the high side. They bumped a little bit more off a of turn four, but it was not enough to stop him as Garside would pick up the win. Cool to see Chris back racing again. He struggled a long time with that late model trying to get that thing to go, and they gave it they gave it a good shot, but they got rid of it, went back to mini stocks after a little break, and he's been fast ever since. So he's kind of found his niche, you know what I mean? So anyway, trucks. Let's move into the Speed Bowl trucks here. They were pretty clean. I don't think anything really happened here. Except for one incident, uh, Brody Monahan would take the lead from Ed Ryan fairly early. Uh, contender from last week's uh, contender and last week's winner, I meant to say, Tyler Chapman, different one, uh, would get squeezed into the backstretch wall and I don't know why, but caught fire in the trunk area. It was very strange. Might have been like my situation, maybe a fuel leak of some sort and sparks flying. Maybe a brake line. It was up high and it looked like a fuel fire. It was a little black smoke. Oh. But luckily, it, it hadn't damaged the fuel cell. It just looked like there was some kind of leak happening. I don't know Ooh. what the deal was. But, Ooh. yeah, he got out of that thing very fast, got the pins pulled, and was, like, mo- motioning to Kohanzi, like, uh, any time now, guys. But let me be honest, Kohanzi's one of the fastest in the business, so they were there very quickly. Uh, they got it out quick, and he got dragged back to the pits. Uh, Alan Coates, who led early, was also involved in that wreck and uh, climbed up the backstretch wall but stayed on all fours. I don't, I don't remember him being a factor after that. I think he wrecked the suspension in it somehow. Uh, Monahan would hold off Ryan and Kyle Giro on a couple restarts and really stretched out his lead at the end to take down his first of the year, obviously, because of what we're second race in. So anyway, but yeah, he had a good run. He had him covered for most of the night. All right, street stocks. Uh, I'm going to mention this ahead of time. I know that uh, last year's champion... Uh, what's his name? Sean Gaedeke. Sorry about that. He had car issues for some reason. I think he said they broke a rocker stud. And he thought it was a distributor or something. They couldn't figure it out. So they went home. And uh, I think Special Ed helped him out. But they grabbed the flatbed, went home, and grabbed his backup car. Which I don't even know if he's even had on scales yet or not. But they grabbed that thing, and he kind of putzed around with it. I think he ended up 8th kind of salvaged a decent night out of, you know, junk. So I got to give those guys a heads up. They were fighting all night. So I saw them looking for studs for a uh, 602 crate, and I'm like, ooh, that sucks. What causes a stud to pop out? Well, they're only pressed in. Yeah. So I think maybe it could too much be, spring pressure, maybe. It could be fatigue. I'm not going to say that. Um, if there's too much spring pressure, that means they're cheating, but... I don't think they are. I don't think oh, they are. I don't, I don't know if that's legal. I don't know what I don't know. I'm not a, a- I'm not any sure. idea how old the motor was. I don't really know, but you know, when the motors start to get old, they can break. It's just it happens. They're the, they're not the very older big. ones had a tendency to pull the pull the studs out. Yeah, they're not they're really not big rocker studs. They really aren't. They're like factory rocker studs from I mean, like, if you have an old one with new springs, legal ones, you can still yank them out. Well, yeah, I know, but that's just fatigue. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's it's that's just how it is. I don't think Jesse was insinuating they were cheating in any way. No, I just think he meant that. that. Yeah. Oops. Hit my mic there. So you just get worn sense. out. You put new spring pressure in there, and then you get yanked out. Yeah, you put some old ones in. It gets used to that, and it starts to stretch. And yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Okay. Well, I'm glad we cleared that up. But yeah, it's that sucks. But at least they were able to get the thing out of the uh, backup car and. At least they were able to get a finish out of it. Anyway, 
Uh, hectic, but fairly clean for about two-thirds of the thing. And Aaron Plemons was in control over half of this race until a couple cautions late. Um, Scott Souza, Tim Poulin got together and wrecked in the front stretch with about four laps to go to set up a final restart. I was also fairly uh, trained onto that one because I was, again, waiting for sparks to fly from people, not from race cars. I was waiting for the meltdown, and uh, I don't think it came. I believe cooler heads prevailed. Al Stone the third was able to take the lead from the outside on the second to last restart, but he was able to get his nose ahead of Plemons, and that would be the difference as... He would, I believe, retain the lead because of a caution that came out, and then on the restart after that, he was chased down by Tony Macrino, and it wouldn't be enough because Stone would take the win. Now, i got to get to this because old veteran and genuinely decent dude Ed Gurch, who we came up racing against for a long time. Well, when we came up racing, he was already a veteran. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. <laughs> when we were racing, he was already old. Um, but <laughs> kicked our ass. Yep, every day, every goddamn week. Uh, he had some strong words in his post-race interview because he finished on the podium in third. And basically, I'm just gonna paraphrase him because I don't, I don't remember the exact words because I was typing fast, but I can't type that fast. It's still. He said basically, drivers have no respect. You can't run one to two laps with anyone anymore, side by side, or they just punch you out of the way. He says it sucks. He hates it. So, And I don't blame him because that's basically what racing is now. It's a bunch of jerk-off entitled kids who, uh, you raced me too hard is a, is a phrase that I've heard way too much lately, and I absolutely can't stand it. And if somebody has to actually race against somebody, they just knock them the hell out of the way, and I can't stand it's, it. It's funny because the people that say, oh, you raced me too hard are the first ones to knock somebody out of the way. Correct. Yeah. Correct. I can't stand it. But I get it, Ed. I totally get it. I've seen it change just as much as you have, and I don't like it either. People just don't race anymore. They just drive into you and move you out of the way, and I can't stand it. It's not do, racing. Do you know where you are, though? You're I at mean, the Speed Bowl. Yeah, I get it. I but. mean, I don't know. I, uh, the Speed Bowl used to have, like, felons and murderers and stuff and all <laughs> kinds of That's people true. of ill intent out there on the racetrack for years upon years upon years. It's true. I don't know. I mean, it's always been kind of a bad... It's It has a reputation of being a tough track to race at. That's yeah. the competitor's fault, you know? Not the not anybody else's fault, really, but, you know? Yeah, but I it's, get it. It's one of those things. It, 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 maybe you notice it more now, you know? But... Yeah, I get it. I get what he's talking about, though. But he's not wrong, either. No, he's not wrong. I mean, back... I remember racing 10 years ago racing now it's completely different because you could be next to somebody and the only you know times you'd bump or run into somebody was just hard racing now it's strategic now it's somebody getting you out of the way so you know you know when somebody's driving you out of the way when and somebody's racing you it's a complete difference you know what i mean so anyway i agree with you ed all right late models we got to talk about this because this is a cool race. Ray Christian the third. Oh, I'm waiting for it. Oh, we got to turn that up. 
Oh, I love that. We could do that. We should do that with Al Stone the Third as well because. The bloodlines run deep. Oh, the, you know, there's a. Uh, I think there's a, a Jimmy Blewett the Third or a John Blewett the Fourth. Well, there's a Tom one. Carey the Third. There he is. <laughs> this is Circle of Life. Uh. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I love that bit. Sorry. Anyway. You're welcome. Yes. You're welcome, <laughs> listeners. Sorry. Uh, Ray Christian III led pretty much the whole race, but Andrew Moeller and he put on a side-by-side battle for what felt like the whole race. And you know what? There were only nine cars in this field, which really sucks because there should be more. It's Let's disappointing. Be it's disappointing because... They run ACT cars. I get it. But everyone else around here runs ACT cars. Let me be honest with you and say that when you go to the Speed Bowl, your check doesn't bounce. You know what I mean? Not anymore. Not anymore, at least. Um, anyway. You're welcome, <laughs> listeners. You're welcome again, listeners. Uh, go ahead, Phil. I'm going to refrain from comment. Well, <laughs> I'll take it by your silence that you agree. That's a first. Okay. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, sometimes if you can, uh, you can have a good race without a lot of cars. Sometimes it is overrated. If there's two or three cars battling out for a win, it's still a hell of a show. Yeah, and these you guys had that the week you had that the week before in the lay miles until a move didn't get passed or whatever. They tried you know going for second and it didn't end up working out, and then it was single file. But you could, it was a good race up until then. So. You can still do it. It's not a matter. What? All right. So there was like one yellow for a spin right in front of the leaders, and I was filming it, and it surprised me because I'm filming the leaders, filming the leaders. They're flying off into turn one, going through turn two. They're dodging a car that was spun probably a while ago, and I'm like, where the hell was the yellow there? But anyway, they missed it, and – uh that put Moeller in the lead, though, because he had a nose on Christian. Uh, so Moeller took the bottom. Was Moeller in the first race? It was the first week? Did he uh, go to the first opener? I don't recall him don't being at the he opener. He must, he must I don't, he's running the ACT full time. For oh, um, because he had the oh he had yeah Thunder Road had a schedule conflict. Yeah, he's running ACT full time for um, what the hell's his name? Thirty one car, their owner. I forget his name. Um, oh. it's Ryan Morgan's stepdad or whatever it is there. I can't yeah, remember. Jason. Jason Glode, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's running for him and they're going to run full ACT this, uh, this season. So he might've missed Waterford because they were running probably Thunder Road. Um, but yeah, they put on again, a killer show. Moeller took the bottom. Christian kept the top rolling. Uh, they were still side by side coming to the line on the final lap. It was an absolute drag race. Moeller just edged him by 0. .07 seconds. I mean, it was like a wheel, I think. It was just a great race. I mean, again, it took away from the fact that there were only nine cars in the field. So it, it nice and clean, very minimal contact. It was just fun to watch. All right, SKs. Okay. They, they got to recycling some cars later in this race. So Timmy Jordan... Muscled his way past early leader Paul Buzel. That was putting it nicely. Because <laughs> I talked to uh, 
the Boozell team, and they, of course, everybody's got their own side to, to you know, every incident. But uh, to be fair, Timmy was feeling some pressure from the fast-approaching Eric Burnt and had to make a move. And you can't really pass on the bottom, so you slide up a little quick, and uh, there's no grip down there. So, I mean, guys are racing hard. Burnt and Jordan would battle for the lead, make contact a few times, once crossing Jordan up off a of four and allowing Burnt by, but Jordan would just drive back underneath him and door him back and regain the lead. They were It was like full-scale warfare, like gunfight, just punching the shit out of it. It's like a heavyweight bout. It was it was fun to watch. You got to watch the, uh, again, the Speedball History video. Pardon me. Sorry, Jesse had to go. Uh, but uh, let's see here. Caution flew for uh, 11 to go for a multi-car incident between turn one and two. I think everybody took off from that one. Jordan took the top on the restart, but it worked out. Even though we say don't take the top, it seems to be about half and half that it's working out at Waterford right now. Uh, Burnt would get loose going into turn one and allow Jordan to retain the top spot on the top side. But a hard multi-car wreck off of turn four, including Buzel, Joy Gator, Rob Janovic, Troy Tomlin, uh, Billy Anderson, and Carl Kvitso. I can't remember his name. I think I read it off of uh, Race Monitor. I don't know if there was a... We didn't hear from Adam this week. Did he not do well? Um, well, I don't see his name listed in this. I think he did all right. It was just another rough race because you can't... Stagger blew up on him. Oh, was it? Oh, I didn't even, yeah, I didn't run into him after the race, so. Uh, anyways, that sent a few of those cars to the paddock for the night. I mean, I'm filming, and I'm watching the battle for the lead, which is, you know, the compelling one. And I feel that, you know that signature thud when you're standing in the grandstands <laughs> and, they sh- and the grandstands shake at Waterford? Because of the heart impact coming off of turn four? Yeah, yes. that signature thud. That thud is still there, huh? It's still there. Nice. Yep. I felt that thud underneath me in the grandstands, and I panned over to the left, and there's six cars buried in the turn four wall. I'm like, oh, that's a big one. I missed it. Really? Okay. <laughs> now, I got to just say this. Every single person in the entire world came out of the grandstands and walked down to the fence at the accident scene. <laughs> oh, is, uh, isn't that when they tell you not to do that? Yes, they tell you not to do that. And also... They've told you that for, from millennia to millennia. Yes, and there's also big red and white signs on the fence that say, Do not stand at the fence. <laughs> right. So Heidi McDonough, who is one of the... Uh, officials national, at the track national anthem officials right and she does other stuff around the track um she had the most thankless job in the world trying to corral these idiots i mean race fans she was an intimidating person <laughs> there she's not intimidating no the big bald guy walked over later and started helping her out but um yeah the one with muscles yeah, yeah. and the beer gut yeah but um the guy who's been around forever right but um she would walk down the line and, you know, kind of move people back. Like, oh, get back. You know, you're not supposed to stand next to the fence. Please move back. You know, get back to your seats. Get the fuck back. <laughs> and as she would walk down the I know this is no shit verbatim. I watched this. I even filmed it. She'd walk down the line and clear these people back and they'd step back a couple steps. And as she walked by, they'd walk right the fuck back to the fence. I'm like, what are you, idiots? 
No, they're assholes. <laughs> it's like she just fucking told you to back away from the fence. And then as soon as she walks by, you go back to the fucking fence. So she turns around and sees everybody literally standing back at the fence, has to make another pass down the front stretch and walk back and go, I already told you to go fucking back to your goddamn seat, you goddamn idiot. And it's like, Jesus fucking Christ, you people are idiots. <laughs> Sorry if you listened to the show and you did that, but you were told. And there's a big sign there that I says mean, not to do that. You haven't known that for... At least thirty or forty years to stay yeah, away from the stay fence. Stay the fuck away from the Everybody's fence. Everybody's told you. You know why they stay away from the fence? Because if one of those radiators explodes, you get burned, and that's a liability. Stay the fuck away from the fence. Or how about if there's another fire? Mm. Yeah, Larry Lampier. Yeah, Larry Lampier. We've Gata. seen that happen. Yeah, burn yes, down the have. whole front stretch. Yeah, go look that video up. I believe Speedball History has that one as well. Oh uh, yeah. Who was that? Ninety two. 93? I can't remember what year. 94? People Jesus, have it's early way 90s. too much morbid curiosity. Yeah, I know. It's like, what, are you going to be happy to see someone get hurt? Get back in your fucking seat. Shut up. Be a good race fan. It's like the crowd that gathered around when they were trying to flip Gata back over. Yeah. It's like, can you let them, you know... Ooh, Johnny, look at the blood. <laughs> Take a picture. Excuse Take me, sir. Picture. Can you please drag that carcass over here? I've never quite seen sir, a body shaking like that I want to take the selfie of the twitching selfie. man. Selfie! Take a <laughs> selfie with the twitching man. OMG. These are the same people that cause rubbernecker delays on the highway from a two-car fender bender. Oh on the God, opposite that's... side of the road. That's, exactly. That's so perfect. Yeah. Absolutely right. So anyway, listen to poor Heidi. Please. Get the fuck away from the fence. Anyway. Isn't it weird to see Sean Foster look like an adult? It's weird. Yeah. I call him GQ. Damn. I want everybody else to as well. But GQ, GM. it's nice to see somebody who actually GQ, looks nice. GM. Yeah, bring a little professionalism into the role. That's it. Look good, be good. I guess I don't know what the hell that saying is. <laughs> look for the part, or uh, dress for the part, or the job you want, or something like. I forget what the hell it is. I don't really care. I wear shorts and a t-shirt to work. I don't give a shit. All right, Jordan would again take the top and prove us wrong yet again on the final restart by clearing burnt again. But Anthony Flannery would now challenge for second. By the way, he and Todd Owen showed up like right before the feature. I think they started towards the back, and with all this chaos, they were able to make their way forward. I think Todd was in the top five as well. But Flannery was quick. Uh, they He would get by Burnt, but nobody would get by Jordan, though, and he would take down a hard-fought victory. And uh, I hate to break it to everybody because I'll just break this news because I was talking to Timmy at the opening race of the year, and he says he's thinking it's likely his last season racing he's like yeah it's hard to do i'm only a teacher you know i got great partners but he's like i I told myself i wouldn't race past 40 and he's like yeah i'll be 39 or whatever next year and he's like i don't i don't care whatever so this might be it for him i know he's been mulling over uh retiring from it for a while and doing other things you know we'll see him next year (laughs) we'll see him crew chiefing next year probably but no, I bet you talk about somebody from a local standpoint who's quietly done everything he's probably wanted to do and has been successful in pretty much everything. I mean, started out in mini stocks, won mini stock races, got into a late model, immediately won a championship. You know what I mean? Won races, won races. I think he won one or two titles in that. Kind of took a sideways step and went tour type modified racing. Didn't have great success doing it. Came back, did SKs. 
you know, started really hitting his stride, then won a title, won races. You know what I mean? So you're talking about a guy who's won titles, won everything that he's ever driven, and it's like, well, what more do you have to prove? And he can't really go further than this. So, you know, maybe I've just made more of a point for him to retire. I don't know if I did or not. But, you know, I've always enjoyed seeing him around. So hopefully he still sticks around racing if he doesn't drive anymore. But we'll see. All right. Figured I'd break that news if nobody would heard it. But again, speculation at this point. Why don't we go into Seekonk? Because we have Seekonk? Of course we have Seekonk. Seekonk's a great track around here. So anyway. Is that Mr. Miner? That is Mr. Sean Miner. He's our Seekonk correspondent. He sent me an email, which is the best way to recap these races because then it takes me away from having to do all the reading and writing. Uh, let's see. It's Seekonk Week 2. Does Darling return? Week two of Seekonk's regular season left me with more questions than answers, he writes. Uh, last week, we all anticipated that Dave Darling would be back this week, despite him saying he wouldn't be, and we were right, kind of. Sport trucks kicked off the night with a 17-truck field. Jake Venata would easily come away with the win, fairly unchallenged. Radical Rick Martin would finish second. Amy Arsenault would finish third. A mostly uneventful race. However, some heat race drama between Tom Scully the third. We should ooh, Tom Scully the third. We gotta play it. <laughs> There's so many thirds. And Manny This Dia is the legacy league. And Manny Dias would spill over into the feature result. I think I said Manny Dias' name right. Resulting in Dias if I don't, someone correct me. Uh, resulting in Dias getting told to park it on lap nine. He did just that and got out of his truck and left it in turn three to get towed to the pits. <laughs> Come on, it's been done, guy. Move on. Uh, let's see. A newcomer to the sport truck division this week was some guy named Dave Darling. <laughs> I'm waiting for uh, Phil's reaction on that one. <laughs> He can just take a long walk off a short pier. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, definitely not a Dave Darling fan. Uh, guy's got he's a little rough around the edges. Dave apparently built a truck over the winter and debuted it on Saturday, kept it clean, brought it home to an eighth place finish. It's unknown how often he'll race the truck, but he did not race his pro stock Saturday night. But let's be fair, he was back. So we were how, right. How long before he whines about something in the trucks? It's it's Seekonk in general. It doesn't really matter what he races. I'm sure he'll bitch about something. Anyway, late models. It's so <laughs> <laughs> good. Keep it going. Late models saw Jacob Burns win the 15 car feature. Wow, 15 really in the late models at Seekonk? It's kind of low, isn't it? Usually they pull over 20. Yeah. Huh. Maybe ACT cars are getting too expensive. I don't know. Don't know. I don't know. We'll see. They're all at Water. No. No, they're not all at Waterford. <laughs> no. Maybe they were all at Stafford. Maybe. No. Maybe they were. They had a lot of cars at Stafford. Well, they were there Friday at Stafford. Yeah. Maybe they wrecked them all on Friday. <laughs> yeah, they probably. Yeah, there's not a lot left after that. That was yeah. a massacre. They just junked them all on Friday. Anyway, so another fairly clean race, but the storyline for me being Sean. Was the deja vu I felt watching the battle for second for the final 10 laps. Mark Jennison raced side-by-side -side with Chase Belcher in a spirited battle. 
Jenison would take second by six one-hundredths of a second on the outside with Belcher finishing third. Most importantly, Jenison was able to keep it on all fours uh, on the ground, unlike the season finale last year between, I think it was he and Belcher, right? Where Belcher kind of fenced him and rolled him over <laughs> for the championship. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that was be... Chase Belcher, wasn't yes. it? Yes, yeah, Chase Belcher, Mark Jenison. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So at least they were on all fours this time. Yes. All right, back to back to uh, Sean's article here. Steve Axon would redeem himself from his mechanical failure last week to win the 21-car sportsman race. That's better. Uh, he started in second but got a, very questionable, jump on the restart, which allowed him to drive away for an uncontested victory. This was the first questionable no-call of the season with the new restart rule. Axon was already given a warning for jumping, but the restart in question was not called back because race control stated they thought the leader may have missed a shift. I thought they were supposed to start in high gear. That's exactly what Sean said. He says, I thought everybody needed to start in high gear, question mark. Which is, yes, that's the rule. So, okay, weird. Uh, reg- now <laughs> we have inconsistency with this weirdo shit. Yep. I mean, <laughs> you're not supposed to shift on restarts, which we got visibly upset about last week. And now race control says, ah, oh, he missed a shift. They're not shifting by the rules that you people put in place. <laughs> I hope there's nothing but shouting at the next driver's meeting. Oh, my God. I don't want to hear any clear statements at all. No, I want to hear just a rabble. I just, just want to hear. <laughs> I just want to hear ill and in contempt. Yeah, <laughs> let's see it happen. See, Conk, let's go. Almighty, what the fuck? Oh, regardless, Axon would win. Regardless, <laughs> regardless, Axon would win over uh, Adam Petty in second, Ryan Lynam in third. I thought he was dead. Who? Adam Petty. P e t t e y. Oh, okay. Different Adam Petty. Petty. Pate. Um Sorry, bad joke. The, the Enduro Pro Stocks had a tough time getting going on Saturday night. 17 cars took the green. Opening day winner Mike Brightman, Tom Scully Jr., Jeremy Lilly, and Mark Jennison would be caught up in wrecks early and continue on, albeit with damage. Multiple yellows for single-car spins soon followed, and most of them were caused by cars clearing themselves, trying to get to the bottom. Only 11 of 17 would be running at the end of the 40-lap feature. That's sad. Dylan Estrella took home uh, the win in his return season to his home track with Mark Jennison finishing second and Rick Martin coming home third. So Mark Jennison finished second in two races, huh? Well, it's a pretty decent night. Not bad. Yeah, I wouldn't be pissed about that, that's for sure. No. I think the you, the last time I saw you race double features, you won one and finished like third or something like that. Could have been. Yeah, yeah it, we had we were like hell yeah, we're drinking beers tonight. Beers were on me. Yeah, <laughs> then I forgot all about it. Killed all those brain cells for that good run. Yeah, we had a good <laughs> night that night. I think it was thirteen or something. We did that. Uh, let's see. Yeah, that was ten years ago. Great. Thanks for depressing myself. All right, all right. Sean finishes it up with this. He says, a talking point for the show, which I am perfectly aware may get me permanently banned. Uh, Seekonk is a track that I think could benefit greatly from the choose rule. With many drivers playing games under the caution to try to restart in an odd-numbered position. Odd or even? 
because the bottom would be even. No, odd. He's right. He's right. Odd number. Yep. One threes. Okay. Yep. Well, I'm stupid. Why not leave it up to the drivers to decide if they want to give up a row to start on the bottom? I know it's not tr organic traditionalist racing, but it could add another layer of excitement and strategy. For what it's worth, Seekonk now has an orange box painted in the middle of the front stretch just before the start-finish line, and I don't remember it being there last year. Curious of your guys' thoughts. Thank you, Sean, for writing in with our Seekonk report once again. We're going to owe you, like, all the beers at the end of the year. We are, but for that question... <laughs> this is how we thank our, our folks who help us. This is exactly how we do it. You know, I, I don't can, like the choose rules. The gimmick. I don't like gimmicks anywhere. Gimmicks can go fuck itself. I get where he's coming from, but at the same time, again, I think I talked to Jesse about this earlier. I equated it to, of all things, the pitch clock and all the rule changes in baseball. I don't like it for because of the cerebral aspect of the game. I liked the fact that the pitcher could have more time. And they could, you know, play head games, and they could do stuff like call time, and you know, free, freeze fans the guy. Are and yeah, I know baseball fans are pissed about the pitch clock. Most of them are. Yeah, because they loved that cerebral aspect. You guys could, you know, go hit the rosin bag, and the batter could call time, and it was all just a a, a war of the minds, you know, trying to freeze each other and trying to... We've gone from chess now to checkers. Right, and now it's just like make one move and go, make one move and go. Instead of looking the board over and seeing what play you go to, what that would be the best for you, now you just fire the ball in every 20 seconds so that the game gets over quicker. That's the same thing with the choose rule. You take in the cerebral aspect of the racing out of it. Guys will play games while racing where if you're mid-pack... You know, you're like, okay, well, I'm in eighth. I got to get another spot. So they'll, you know, punt a guy to get seventh. And they'll make sure that they, you know, if they can't move forward, that they hold that odd number. And when the caution comes out, now they're in a better spot so that they can restart. You know what I mean? And guys play these games so that they can get that bottom lane. Same thing that happened in NASCAR. They would go do their pit stop and then try to play games at the end of pit road and try to be the odd car out so that they could get the bottom. And that was, you know, that was the drivers figuring out something against convention to try to play cerebral games to try to gain themselves an Gamesmanship. advantage. Gamesmanship. Correct. Gamesmanship. Gamesmanship is gone. Yes. It's the sanctioning bodies, MLB included, as well as NASCAR and all these other tracks, whatever the case may be, for them to take thinking out of the game, and I don't like it. I like the, the cerebral nature of the game. I like the cerebral nature of the sport. I like people going outside the bounds of normalcy and tradition. Thinking ahead through two or three steps. That's right. what you're supposed to do. And trying to make yeah. it, you know, trying to use their brain to gain themselves an advantage. That's part of it. That's part of the mystique of it. And when people regulate out gamesmanship, and the cerebral wanna, aspects of the game, you now you're ruining it. You want to hear about gamesmanship? Right. Tell you what. 
I'm in sixth. The first five cars take the bottom. Good. I'm taking the outside and chopping the fuck out of the first guy. Yeah, I'm gonna jump the restart and cowl the fuck out of the guy on the on the entry to turn one. Yeah, that's what. <laughs> yeah, if my left front is in front of anybody's car, it's gonna be turn left. Yep, I'm gonna drive your ass in the infield. Fuck everybody. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Don't even have to think about it. Just drive right There's into your- him. And if first place gets by you, you do it to second place. The hell with it. You yeah. know what I mean? Just drive him into the infield. <laughs> there goes your gamesmanship there, right up your yeah, ass. Yeah, fuck you. You know? But anyway, like I said, I don't... I I just... You know, it's not a horrible idea, but again... Gimmick. I like gamesmanship. That's why I don't like it. They already got playoffs. Yep. And they don't need them. They don't need it. It just kills everything. Don't I go... Mean- don't do playoffs... It takes the cerebral aspect out of it, takes the gamesmanship out of it. Stop with the choose rule. It's a gimmick. It's bullshit. Stop it. I don't have a charter. I don't have to be there every week. Right. Get rid of that shit. Yeah. See, I'm a contrarian, and I like the choose rule. You fuck off. Yeah, well, we knew that. That's why we let you speak last. So it... (laughs) 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 Fuck off. (laughs) No, I mean... At Auburndale this weekend, granted they spray the top there, hmm. we would have never had a legitimate shot to win that race had we not had the choose. Right. We gained a, a solid eight spots on one choose alone because nobody wanted to go to the top. So we just shot to the top, went from like row 10 all the way up to row two. And then you cowed the motherfucker. <laughs> no. It, it's yeah. really, really hard to run out on the top at, at Auburndale. So yeah, but they it's sprayed usually it, a losing pro- – well, even with the spray, it's usually a losing proposition. It just – the spray helps you maintain better than anything. True. Auburndale has less banking than uh, Stafford. Yeah, it's that's flat. a running That's a running track. It's a flat <laughs> track. So Oof. when you get out there, if you step just outside of that, you're gone. So it's really tricky to run out there. I I think tracks like Auburndale, it's a benefit, or tracks that just got paved, like when they do Smyrna in November. It's going to be a bottom feeder shit show. Yep, she's going to be a bottom feeder. So spray the top. Citrus, spray the top. Don't do a a lot either. It's a dominant track. Yeah, you don't have to do a lot, just enough to give it a little bit of stick to keep them together. That's all. You got to hash it out, but, you know. Having the choose rule at tracks like that where you're going to have a bottom dominant line is beneficial to guys that just want to take a risk. You got nothing to lose. It throws a wrench in the the whole mix. Yeah. You know, so I don't mind it. There's tracks like at Waterford. Hell no, because Waterford puts on great side-by-side racing already. Well, it used to. No. I would never want to see it at Stafford because it puts on great side-by-side racing there, too, even though it's a flatter track. Let the leader choose what line they want to take and let that be it, and everybody else, you just get the fucking line. That's just how it's supposed to be. If you wanted to be on the bottom, pass another guy. (laughs) You know? But anyway. Uh, Why don't we go into some national stuff unless anybody's got anything local they want to talk about real quick. I said my piece. All right. Again, it's early in the season, so especially for local stuff. All right, I'll go do some national stuff because they're at like my favorite track in the world at Darlington. 
That's I, a good favorite track. I love Darlington. And I'm actually pretty decent at it on iRacing. I'm not perfect, but I am pretty decent at it. Um, trucks at Darlington. Uh, took me until lap 101 of like 140-something to find anything of note. Uh, when Chase Purdy, Zane Smith, and Colby Howard wrecked down the front stretch. Uh, Scheduled tweet. Smith got into the truck of Matt Crafton when he checked up off four. Purdy was uh, pretty upset afterwards, and Howard couldn't even get his truck to go in reverse. Coming down, coming down, coming down, coming down, coming down, coming down. Oh, you're in it. And you're in it. <laughs> uh, it's a, it's, yeah, again, Howard couldn't even get his truck to go backwards, needed the help of safety workers to push his truck back and get it pushed off. I don't think it would fire. 33 to go. Speaking of scheduled tweet, Carson Hosevar spins to nobody's surprise. Uh, he pinched, I think it was Raja Karuth in the 24 truck. Pinched him pretty good on entry, and Raja slid up. You know what? I don't even care if it's Raja's fault or not. I don't either. I, I really don't care. Uh, I, if you do it again, I'm going to buy a T-shirt. Yeah. I, I don't because care who is I, at fault. I approve of that shit. <laughs> I don't care who is at fault. Spin him out. Don't we care. We approve. Thank you. Thank you, Raja. Yeah, he had a nose under him for a while. And yeah, good uh, truck. he did as much as he could to stay off him. But I'll tell you what, and the announcer's just. That was enough. They yeah. just slurp over Hart Carson Hosevar. Is it because he's young? I don't get it. He's the not kids, really that talented. He's, he's not, not really, really that handsome. Not He's he, not really he's, that redeemable in many ways. He's done so much so, stupid stuff, but they just go like this. I suck let me, cock, and I love it. <laughs> yum, 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 yum. Let me let you in on a little secret. All right, I'm ready. I'm all ears. It's all about money. Why do you think they always talk about Daniel Die? Daniel Dick Puncher. Oh, because is it because he's he's got a lot of money, or is it because he's their in race reporter? I didn't forget is that that his family spends money. Yeah. Well, speaking of Daniel Die, yeah, they have a go- yeah. Well, Carson Hosevar's family has a pretty big uh, what is it? A gold resale store or whatever pawn shop, card shop. Hmm. up in michigan so whatever i sent a speaking of daniel die nascar put out a tweet on the 13th a couple days ago that said breaking the stigma around mental health is crucial daniel die discusses his partnership with race to stop suicide and the importance of mental health join us this may in support of mental health awareness month and make a difference in the lives of those affected remember this was the kid who got literally arrested for assault for Punching another student that he went to school with in the dick because he was bullying. Oh, them. good punch! <laughs> oh, oh, I got a drop for this one. Oh, there it is. <laughs> yeah. Breaking the stigma around mental health is crucial. This kid literally punched a kid in the dick, bullying him, and yeah. got arrested. He should kill himself. Moving on. <laughs> uh, the internet doesn't forget. Neither do I. Uh, whatever. The kid will re- eventually redeem Every himself, I'm sure. Uh, okay, so... <laughs> Grant Enfinger got into the wall and had a flat and the yellow flew. Uh, now, that really spun me right round, baby, right round. Like a record, baby, right round, round, round. No, he didn't spin. He actually kept going straight. Oh, well, I guess I kept going straight. <laughs> No song for that one. No. Uh, so anyway, NASCAR initially thought the leader Christian Eckes hadn't taken the white flag, but upon further review, apparently he had. So without having to utilize a green-white checker to 
wreck more trucks, the race ended, and Christian Eckes was oh, declared the winner. We've sacrificed enough children. Yeah, we've done that enough. Xfinity Series was in Darlington, and oh boy, this was fun. Lap 39, Jeb Burton spins in three and four. Phil, what was that, scheduled tweet? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People were like, what are you ragging on him for? He just won. I'm like, he won on a, a restrictor plate track, which anybody, literally anybody can do, John King, um, whoever he is. Um, yeah. And like I said, he is a fucking non-everywhere-else. So it's like... Yeah, if he spins out on his own at Darlington, I'm going to say it. Yeah, well, a lot of people did, but yeah, it, it's he ran out of talent, and it was pretty easy for him to do. Yeah, when he has half of what everyone else has, it's very easier for him to hit the limit. I mean, the legacy gods are overfilled right now. Yeah. La- what? what the hell was that? <laughs> Jesus Christ. When the security didn't find any threats, Brent. Oh, You're good. You're safe. I'm safe. You're safe. As if I have anything to worry about. Lap 54, his teammate, Parker Retzlaff, would get squeezed by two cars and spin down the front stretch. He was like three wide in the middle and got the shit end of the stick. Let's see here. Lap 67. This is the fun one. Oh, is this one? RCR teammates, Sheldon Creed and Austin Hill, teamed up to wreck half the field. Yeah, baby! Yeah! fucking kid does look like Austin Powers' love child, I swear to God. Yeah, he just needs the fucked up tooth in the front and a really bad haircut. He's got the bad haircut. Oh, okay. He needs uh, I oh, forget it. We'll just the move fucked on. Up teeth. Yeah. Uh, they said that there was something like 19 cars involved. I don't know if that number was actually true well, or not. It, it makes sense. You don't have anywhere to go at Darlington. You it, don't have, it's not room for single car, single file racing. It looked like no. the it looked like one of the big wrecks from Days of Thunder. Yeah, it goes for the thin part of the smoke. Yeah, there were guys spinning and wrecking all over the place, and I'm like, copyright like, hashtag. It looks like it was uh, trademark the big one directed by Jerry Bruckheimer. Did he die? I don't remember. He was that was producer. Oh, okay. It was it was uh, Tony Scott was the director. Oh, Tony Scott directed. Yeah, produced by Jerry Bruckheimer. That's yes. right. See, it's been a while. Anyway, Creed was all the way down on the apron, slid up into John Hunter Nemechek's door and spun out. And at the same time, Austin Hill was a lane up from him and slid up into the side of Sam Mayer and spun out. They literally doored someone and spun out at the same time. I don't blame I don't blame uh Austin Powers <laughs> for making that move. He was on the damn apron. I mean, though. he almost made it work, but you know what? Maybe almost near only the counts end, maybe, horseshoes and hand grenades. Maybe near the end of the race. Not in small nuclear warfare. Not oh, in the yes. middle. Almost does count in nuclear warfare, I suppose. Yeah. Get the fallout. But yeah, not in the middle of the race. Maybe towards the end, I think. He almost made it work, but John Hunter side drafted him and and then it just was uh, he ran out of room. Fucked up. Mm-hmm. But he you know, even that move would have been dumb to make at the end of the race as well, because you gotta be up past the guy's nose in order to make any difference and he wasn't there so anyway kyle sieg crashed off two setting up a late race restart uh final lap john hunter nemechek leading kyle larson tracking him down larson got the run off of turn two nemechek would get loose kyle larson would get to his inside now 
Larson would squeeze Nemechek into the outside wall on the backstretch. Remember that for later. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. I lost my place. I am sorry. Uh, let's see. John Hunter would get his get to his right rear going into three and turn Larson just enough for him to slam into the wall. Uh, Nemechek would then turn down under him and get, make a run to the inside coming off four. Larson would clobber the wall off of four. John Hunter was close to his left side. So when uh, Larson's catapulted off the wall, it shot John Hunter down towards the inside wall. And uh, Larson would win. Nemechek would, I think, finish fourth, sliding backwards across the damn racetrack while wrecked and hit the outside wall, which was kind of scary I, to watch. I'm I like, think don't if, do that. I think if Kyle Larson doesn't hit the wall, John Hunter Nemechek would have made sure that he would have hit the wall. Probably on the inside. I think I think he was aimed for <laughs> his left rear quarter panel, and the wall got <clears throat> the wall got Kyle Larson before John Hunter Nemechek did because he was tracking towards the lane. Well, that's two races in a row that I watched Kyle Larson hit the outside wall and hit somebody else, i.e., a Toyota driver. Oh yeah, but Makes anyways, sense. yeah. Um, I was I always lose my spot and I don't know why. Anyway, um, Nemechek would come out of the care center. He would get interviewed and say it was just good hard racing, basically. He was fine. Yeah, he was smiling. All right. Cup raced at Darlington. Was this actually the Southern 500 or was no, it a different no, race? No, no, no. I didn't think so. No. Southern 500 is always... Is it Labor Day weekend? Supposed to be. Yes. Oh, okay. Are they actually going to hold it on Labor Day weekend? I, I believe so, yes. I'll, All right. I'll check it out. I forgot you, which you one was... introduced the topic. I'll, I'll... Was this what? the? I don't even remember the damn name of the race. Is that bad? I'm supposed to know the name of the race. I don't no even care. Something or other 400. See, I'm stuck in the mindset of a few years ago where they only went to Darlington once a year, and they were thinking about getting rid of it altogether because they're stupid. Uh, <laughs> you remember. Yeah, Labor Day weekend. All right, cool. So I don't remember what the hell the race was that they just ran it. Some 400-miler, I think. The Goodyear 400. Oh, it was the Goodyear 400? The Goodyear. <clears throat> I don't care. Anyway. That had very little tire fall off. Right. Let's see, final lap of stage two. We'll just fast forward here because nothing really happened until then. Lap 185, Farton Truex Jr., who led the majority of the race at that point, <laughs> Farton, drove into leader Ross Chastain after Chastain hit the wall. Uh, I think he got a little loose going in for some reason. I don't yeah, know. I don't know. I, Martin I he, kind of just drove it in there a little hard. He bobbled. He might have had the air taken off his left rear. I don't really know what happened, Siren. to be fair. I don't know. He bobbled and hit the wall, and Farton ran into him. So he was he, Martin led, like, the majority He's of the race. He's been on a heater. He's, he was really fast. Yeah. Uh, more on Martin spinning himself out later, by the way. He's not done yet. No, he's not done yet. Lap 194, Eric Jones would have his right rear wheel fall off in the middle of traffic. Uh Great time for that to happen. And it caused a massive wreck. I think everyone did manage to drive away. It was another massacre. I don't think everybody continued, but I think everybody cleared the scene. Does that make sense? Kind of. Yeah, because I think uh, Austin Dillon might have had damage where he couldn't continue. Not sure. All right, here's some controversy. Restart. Restart with 13 to go, had Ross Chastain and Kyle Larson on the front row. 
Larson drove into the left side of Chastain about three times before entering turn one. But behind them, Martin Truex, or Farton Truex, I'm sorry, Jesse. (laughs) (laughs) Farton. It's so funny. Who fought back from that spin to be in third place, would run Joey Logano into the wall up in turns one and two and spin himself across his nose and put himself in the fence. Uh, There was controversy surrounding this incident, however, as reported by Kelly Crandall, because I took it as a quote tweet from Bubba Wallace. Uh, Asked for clarification on the four, six, and nine cars keeping their positions after this incident, NASCAR scored the field by the previous loop and felt those drivers maintained reasonable speed at the time of caution. Did not feel they were in the wreck. Keep that in mind. The 21 and 23, according to NASCAR, uh, Harrison Burton and Bubba Wallace, uh, gained positions by not slowing. Bubba Wallace was upset by this at the end of the race, and I believe justifiably so, by saying, we gained positions because we missed the wreck. This is comical. Wallace finished fifth and felt like he could have done better had he not been scored back further. Now, keep in mind, the 4, 6, and 9 car were posted to the damaged vehicle clock after this wreck. But NASCAR said they weren't in the wreck. Ain't that a pisser? Ain't that a pisser? Just another example of being consistently inconsistent. I actually looked it all up, and yeah, they were on the DVP. So, yeah, and if you watch the four cars uh, in-car camera on the replay, Harvick had that helmet cam, and everybody wrecked in front of him, and he fucking piled in. I mean, it looked like it hurt. You could almost hear him. You know, you could almost hear his thoughts. And he's saying to himself, I can't wait for this to be over so I can get in the booth, because it's probably far more comfortable. Probably thinking, ow! (laughs) God damn it. But yeah, if this was if this was last year, if this was the last generation's car, those cars been, would have been toast. There would have been speedy dry everywhere. They would have broken all the radiators. There would have been four or five cars out just in that wreck. Yeah. But since these cars are super beefy and the driver takes all the impact, Harvick is just sitting there getting beat to shit. His poor bones are brittle at this point. He's got osteoporosis. He's an old man. Give him a break. Give him some milk. Oh man. Yeah, approaching my 40th birthday, I'm drinking gallons of milk. I'm like, we ain't having no goddamn weak bones around here. Anyway. (laughs) All right, second to last restart. Here we go. Chastain and Larson would repeat their door contact down the front stretch. Larson would hold Chastain down. Chastain would push up. They meet in the middle, and they all end in the turn one wall. Now, don't you guys find it ironic that Martin Truex did the same exact thing to him, but he did the same exact thing to... Kyle Larson, a little bit, yeah. We're like, hey, <laughs> this is what happens when you overdrive and somebody hit him. Yep. I mean, in the post race interview, um, Chastain says, "Well, I got tight and pushed up a little bit." Ross Chastain checked and released from the infield care center. Ross, the second to last restart. What I don't have to paraphrase. One? Full commit. Uh, Looks like a one, lobster. I got really God tight uh, and drove up and, and turned myself. I. I wanted to squeeze him. I wanted to. I wanted to push him up. Uh, we had been trading back and forth all day, and you and, did all uh, that. I wanted to, to push him up for sure, but definitely didn't want to turn myself as well. Here's where the UPS box gets a quarter. Yeah, Larson ran him down a little bit, but 
that might have been their undoing. So, and then when you got a guy pushing up in the middle and they meet in the middle and they just go contact coming outside there, we're in the fence. Yeah, it's not going to end well. So, haven't you guys heard a lot about uh, any uh, comparisons between him and Ernie Urban? I've been hearing rumblings of it, yeah, because anybody our age will remember how Ernie Irvin was uh, chastised. Brought up on the carpet. The- yeah. Brought up before Ch- the chastainized. Yeah, the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Brought up yeah, before exactly. the king. Term. <laughs> and uh scolded by NASCAR back in the early what's it, late eighties, early nineties. I mean, would you would you're out when you're out bashing Earnhardt yeah. as far as making enemies on that track, you're doing something. Yeah, I mean, um <laughs> he had to stand in front of the drivers meeting in one race and literally apologize yeah. to everyone. Because of how much of a hammerhead he was. Yeah. I mean, they call him Swerve and Irvin for a reason. Now they probably do it because he has brain damage. But um, but here's his take on Ross Chastain. Oh, is, poor, poor Ernie. I know. What? He, the he, man's been through a lot. He's been through a lot. He, he looks beat up. <laughs> I feel bad for the guy, you know, obviously. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's he's horrible. taken some wicked shots. But that, here's, here's this is his voice. You know, it sounds like he's got two packs a day, but. Yeah, let's go to it. But yeah, here he is. Sorry for. He, he needs to put in his mind that position's not that important that minute. You know, because what's going to happen is it's it's going to be where he's got enough talent, and I had enough talent. Same thing, but sooner or later you're going to run out of people that want to help you, and if you run out of people. And most of the time, you can run out of money real quick, so you can't buy it. So, I mean, and sooner or later, your your name's going to get to be a negative instead of a positive. So, I mean, I, that's what I... I mean, who la, better... La, 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 da, da, da. Again, who better... Da, 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 Who better... I didn't know you were going to keep going there. <laughs> who better than uh, Ernie Irvin to give that... Up. Who better than Ernie Irvin to give that kind of perspective, though? You know what I mean? Because he was in the same basic position back in the early '90s, and um, he's just kind of he's giving. Not a, wrong. He's he's giving a little bit of friendly advice from somebody who's been in the same basic shoes. He ain't wrong. Yeah, he ain't wrong. I mean, I don't think so. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Russ Russ kind of took the normal line, but I, I I assume looking at it. He didn't lift like most guys will lift once you get down on that apron, de-wedge the car to turn it. Yeah, you got to kind of crack the throttle there a little bit. he just full fucking sent it. It's really sketchy if, the, you, the only, if the, you hold her open there. Yeah, and, and that, I don't know. The only, the only thing I will say about Kyle Larson is if I'm him, I'm playing chess instead of checkers. He's got to be smarter and know who he's racing. Give him, give him a lane and a half on the bottom. Roll the top with the momentum. He maybe hits you in the door and ricochets off down the track, but at least you have a better shot. Give him a little more room, and yeah, you could probably roll that top a little better. And if he gets, if he gets into you, he's going to get into you either way. But at least you can say, "I gave him room, and now I'm actually in the you know better spot here." You know what I mean? Because yeah, if you look at if you look at the replay stills, I shared them on Twitter. Yeah. Kyle Larson is actually below the fucking white line on the apron, too. Yeah, I think that he, doesn't I think he work. dipped a wheel or he either dipped a <laughs> wheel or he got pretty close. I think close. he's probably trying to say, hey, don't don't come over here. 
Because I'm already down here, and I'm already defending yeah, but, throwing you a block. Yeah, but the problem with that is the guy on the apron is always going to wash up. Always. Especially at that That is speed. the normal racing line at that track. Usually when that he does that. That is the line that Kevin Harvick took that line on the ensuing restart. Everybody in the through the whole race was running that line to de-wedge the car, get it to rotate, get back to the gas, and roll a ton of speed off of two. That's just, we do it in iRacing. That's just how you run that place. And Kyle had to know that Ross was going to, like, everybody in the fucking world knew that Ross was going to overset in turn one <laughs> and run into Kyle Larson's right. door. He's like, hey, man, I got, yeah, Kyle Larson's like, hey, I got to make this guy lift. So I'm going to push my car down low underneath the apron. I got to make this guy lift. No, Ross ain't going to lift. The problem is, yeah. is that making door contact no. like that with these cars is that it's probably going to shove the car up the racetrack. So See, no contact is better, yeah, I like, think. It was 110% Ross's fault, but I just say Kyle Larson needs to be smarter. It he was, needs to know who he's racing. Yeah. It was 80% Ross's fault because 20% I have for- a theory about Ross Chastain <laughs> psychologically. No, that was – it was 99% Ross's fault. Well, it's still 20% Kyle's fault, remember? Right. So – just for being there. Just for being there. But uh, I, <laughs> yeah. I have a, I have a theory psychologically based on the the, the University of the Dunning Kruger effect. Okay. So if Ross I'm is intrigued. one of those guys that lives in the moment, he doesn't think two or three steps ahead. He doesn't. He lives only to the front bumper. You ever hear of a, something called an internal dialogue? Vaguely. How some people don't have that. Yeah, Ross doesn't have that. You see the inner the internal dialogue. No, also, he doesn't. Yeah, the, it's called the voice inside your head. The voice of reason. Yeah, no, yeah. The the your inner monologue is a result of certain brain mechanisms that can cause you to hear yourself talk inside your head without actually speaking or forming sounds. It's like this example of, hey, listen, can you imagine an apple? Can you imagine what it looks like and tell me what it looks like? And if you can't do that. You don't have an inner monologue. I can tell you, my I have a, a red delicious that's Ross. like all red and it has a little green stem coming out of top. Is there any waxy coating or is yeah, it Yeah, a is little it waxy coating, you know. Hmm. Keeps the bugs off. red. Is it delicious? Very delicious. You got to wash it off. Yeah. Ross doesn't have an inner monologue. No, he, he does He has inner squirrels. Yeah, there's. <laughs> he's, he's got squirrels. He's an NPC. There's nothing there. Right. That's the thing. He has no. It's almost it's almost dehumanizing, but yeah, he has no. And to be fair, there's no soul. When, when Ross is looking through the corner, his left eye looks so far to the left he can't see the car outside anyway. But he's yeah. got great forward vision. Is that yeah? That's Ackerman, <laughs> or like you said, Phil, that's Ackerman. Toe or, out, or uh, what? Caster. A lot of left front caster in his eyeball. I think it's static toe out, to be honest. Static toe out. I think it's even if. Well, he that turns makes his the eyes. car loose coming off. So okay. And push going in. <laughs> tight in, loose out? Yeah. Well, what happened to that podcast? We, womp, took, womp. we took it over. Anyway, um, Rick Hendrick had some choice words in his post-race interview, and I'm paraphrasing. Here, you want to listen to it? Uh, do we have it? Then I fine, do. we'll listen to it. Has Ross Chastain crossed a line? I think you can ask any driver in here that he's wrecked or been involved with him. He... You know, he doesn't have to be that aggressive. And I guess at this at this point in the race, maybe 
you're you're super aggressive, but you just don't run people up in the fence or you know just he's not gonna he's gonna make a lot of enemies out. It's hard to win a championship when you got a lot of paybacks out there, and uh, so I he's got so much talent. I think if he just calmed down, that uh, there's a time to race Dale Earnhardt. Uh, okay, enough. Don't invoke safe Dale. That's enough. Yeah. Um, again, he's he basically said he's got a lot of talent, but he's making a lot of enemies. If he just calmed down, he'd win a lot of races. If you wreck our cars, we're gonna you're gonna get it back. Yeah, and that's paraphrased, but he did know, he, he did speak those. He words. didn't make a specific thing, and it's funny because NASCAR says boys have had it in self police, but don't tell us that you did. Don't it. tell us that you did it, or else we don't like the truth. We don't like we only like lying, cheating, and stealing. and stealing. But we don't like the truth. Yeah. Wow, that's actually kind of a nice trophy. I got to be honest with you. That's a that's a nice trophy. I just saw it. But anyway, um, William Byron, the new face of NASCAR, would capitalize on the heel taking out his teammate or whatever, and he would win. He would redeem the himself. Face. He would. The heel <laughs> took out the face. Yeah, one of the faces. The heel got one of the faces, and the other, the new face, took the win. Which, he, yeah, he had the, he almost had this thing last year until Joey Logano completely drove him into the outside wall by punting him like an asshole. Yeah, which he was a complete non-factor today or that day. So whatever. So he got his win back either way. But what's that? Justin Marks. Um, yeah, we should have. Justin Marks talk about what they're doing with, Even Joe, his with Carter, Ross. It's yeah. brought his attention now that Ross has finally been on the bad side of it. Yeah. He's finally yeah, he's finally taken some of the punishment that he's dealt on other people. So here's yeah, here's even what Justin, Justin Marks has to say. Read between the lines of this. Yeah. He he's got the skill to do that. He's got the ability to do that. The result was just bad. It just was bad for everybody. It was bad for Hendrick. It was bad for Chevrolet. And it was bad for Trackhouse and Ross as the points leader. Um, and so, you know, we, this has been my life today. I mean, we have addressed it. We've had many conversations with different people today, some, some difficult conversations. And I think the important message here is that we are a believer in Ross's talent. That's obvious. He's very fast. And, you know, but, but he's, he's got some things he's got to clean up. I mean, I'll just be totally honest with you. And, and we today started the process of more aggressively handling that with our. Yeah. Even they are starting to take measures against his, uh, well, poor habits, I'll say. They're his new inner monologue. They have to be. They're his inner monologue. Yeah. I mean, well, they said there's a no push policy and. Now it's going to be a no wreck policy. <laughs> Please stop crashing. You're costing us money. Please stop crashing. Imagine we need to actually, apple. yeah. Think of the Please apple. stop crashing. You've been in position to win races multiple times this year and crashed instead. We kind of need to win these things. Please focus on that, which I don't blame him because he hasn't, he hasn't won a race yet. He hasn't. He's been in contention for plenty of them, but he hasn't won one yet, which is what everybody's starting to point to. It's like, yeah, it's been over a year since he's won. Um, when's he going to win again if he's this fast? And that's, I think, what Justin Marks is trying to allude to. It's like, yeah, we need to... Con- you can't cost yourself wins. That's, yeah, that's not, we have to actually... That's taking the L, not the W. It has to count. You got to make it work. Taking the D up the A. By the way, Phil, I just got this tweet an hour ago. I think you sent it to me. 
Um, Ricky Brooks and Cletus McFarlane team up to bring the Billy Bigley Memorial or Bill Bigley Senior Memorial 128 Super Late Model Race to the Freedom Factory. I hope that's a permanent home for it because I love that race. That is one of those up-and-comers in the super late model scene that's got a big payday and can attract big names, and I'm really excited to see where that goes. Yeah, it was, I think, 35000 to win last year, and I'm yeah. sure it'll be every bit of that this year. I, they haven't announced a purse or anything, but it's it's a really good race. It's uh, super competitive, attracts a lot of the biggest super late model drivers from the southeast at least uh i wouldn't honestly be surprised to see guys like uh william byron and eric jones show up this year we had Derek kraus last year um it, it's just like you said an up-and-coming big deal of a race yeah i mean you're looking at all the major super late model events across the country you got like uh, you got the Red Bud, you got the All American, you've got the Snowball, you got the Oxford 250, you've got you know all these big name races, but the Bigley is really starting to come up there because of the person, because of the competition. So it, it it's not like it's not been around for a long time, but it's really starting to gain traction, and I'm very excited to see that gain even more traction. I think that uh, if the McFarland team can get that racetrack to race really well. Um, it's starting to take shape. I mean, they're making minor improvements here and there. They've already paved one of the corners. I think they're probably going to be in the process of doing it again soon. I don't think that's going to happen overnight, but, you know, they, they do reinvest in it. So um, I think it'll make the racing uh, pretty good because, you, you you know, you put it on a really tiny little short track where it's hard to pass, then, you know, the action's not going to be there, but you put it at a four-tenths mile with some high banking, now you're going to up the excitement level. So I think we're going to see a better race. So I'm excited to see how that goes. I'm definitely, if if I can watch it, I'm going to try to. So I am out of notes. I am out of beer. And I'm out of water and ambition because I got to get this thing online. So, all right. That'll do it for this week. Thank you all for listening. You can find this podcast on every major podcast platform. You can find us on Instagram at Making Laps Podcast, Facebook.com slash Making Laps Podcast. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at Making Labs Podcast. I think I already said that. I'm sorry. You can find me on uh, YouTube at uh, Brent. You, sorry, my kid just ran by me screaming. You can find me on YouTube at uh, YouTube.com slash Brent Gleason. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Brent Gleason 01. Oh, I forgot to mention, by the way, if you want to do – don't do that. By the way, I forgot to mention that if you want to send us some feedback – to the show you can email us to making podcast at gmail.com so you can tell we do the show off the cuff i don't have any script for this uh, get off of there don't ever stick an eight-year-old in front of a microphone by the way uh you can also send us a voice message to anchor.fm slash making laps you might have to make a spotify account in order to do it but trust me it's worth it we will play it on air we didn't get any this week but we've gotten a few in the past few weeks uh again we will play it and we might even play it cold we don't even know what they are just for the fun of it you can find Phil at at PJ's Racing on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And uh, you can find Jesse <sighs> here. Oh my God! Y- you can find you can find me on Dad's birthday. Oh, <laughs> uh, when is that? May thirtieth. Oh my goodness, you got it right. All right, boy. You've had your fun. Now, how do we do the end of the show? And please do it nicely. 
Keep the door set down, stay on fence. Thank you for listening. Thank you all for listening. I greatly appreciate it. And thank you for not screaming into the <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> <laughs>